Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie. Go ahead and pop in your DVD or Blu-ray of Paper Moon. Press play and press pause when the Paramount logo fades to black. At the first frame, you perceive all black. Press pause and a second, say three, two, one, unpause. We've done this a thousand times. If this is your first yeah. episode of the show, eh. Good start. Good, good start. start. We're starting off good. Nice anyway. with the classy selection. Pause the movie. Play the movie. Myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Venifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trade Amazing Stokes. Hello. So we started off this uh, idea of uh, maybe a month ago at this point where it's like, we should just do a thing where everyone on the show gets an episode to just like force on everyone else. Be like, God damn it, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. After years of like, we should do this. Right. We need to do it. And for lack of a better term, I just called them gottas. Like I was calling them a gotta do it movies. <laughs> the nice way is curated. He was saying the curated. Curated thing. movies. Oh, the curated <laughs> is better. Selections. That makes it sound like a criterion. It's more exactly. like, like an AMC, like what AMC used to be before it was about zombies. But, uh, you know, like, uh, hi, I'm uh, your host. And today we're seeing right. Paper Moon. And this yeah. is our first one. And it's Trey's. And do you want to start us off on this one? Or? Yeah, it's a good movie. You all should watch it. <laughs> I agree. He, ma- he made me watch it and I liked it. The, 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 the <laughs> quick backstory on it is, is like The Sting, which, you know, we did a while back, is I, I Sting is one of those movies that I don't have to see it because I... It's the sting. I, I've seen it a billion times. You just watch it in your head. Exactly. But I hadn't really seen it in decades. And so I finally checked it out. And I was like, wow, this movie still holds up just perfectly. Um, so then I, I should really check out Paper Moon because I haven't seen it in a million years. And, and I finally checked it out. And I was like, this movie is fantastic. Yeah. This movie's amazing how good it holds up now. And I think it's because it's a period piece of a period piece. Right. Uh-huh. Which certainly always helps, just like yeah. the sting. And and so the fact that it, you know, it's in, and it's amazingly accurate to the period. Whereas I think, my, I Michael, you, you've, to you, the 70s are just as mythical as the 30s. Yeah. Well, I was so. watching it and it's so well done. It so feels like a movie, not just about the 30s, but like from the 30s, yeah. that I'm watching it just kind of riding along with it. And I'm like, how in the hell is Randy Quaid in this? Oh, wait. Right. It was <laughs> how old is Randy Quaid? <laughs> Where is Gilda Radner? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I do. I just like it because it's. It's so it's you know again they it's they don't make them like that anymore they 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 just it's it doesn't have like a solid beginning middle and end and yet it's I find it satisfying and still it's just it's just sort of a you know it is it does satisfy the criteria of this is the most important thing that ever happened to these two people is that they you know this happened to them and they ended up being the way they were right um, so it, it fills that criteria but other than that it's, it's it's you can break it down and go well it's kind of episodic and it's you know what's it really about it's and almost it's, like a Coen Brothers movie it really is I think the Coen Brothers probably have a lot of Paper Moon viewings under their belts right on yeah. now yeah I watched this I hadn't seen it I hadn't even heard of it um, before Trey was like let's do Paper Moon uh, and I, I loved it I thought it was just a blast and really funny and really cool and you know I don't have a tremendous amount to say about it but I'm pretty sure we're going to talk all the way through the movie because it's a it's a movie commentary podcast and that's what we <laughs> yeah. do. Um, and I'm looking forward to the conversation because it's a it's a fun damn movie. Brian, had you ever heard of it before? Had you seen it? I had not heard of it, but I had this really odd sense of deja vu. The uh, title rang absolutely no bells, but there are moments in it. I think I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie before. The Simpsons just like probably little, did. A I was say, it maybe it's and that's kind of like yeah. yeah, like we talked about before. I don't it, it very well maybe that like it's just the seepage into larger popular culture but i feel like it's not that i feel like i must have seen it at some point and then it's just been completely paved over by other <laughs> uh viewings of other there. things but it's still down there somewhere but yeah i enjoyed the hell out of that it's, it's a great example of, of characters driving the plot versus yeah, plots driving the character sure. um so we can talk about that 
Trey, you'll be happy to know that your uh, your insistence upon this movie has already worked, even though the episode hasn't come out yet. Because I told Big Damn Artist in the chat room last night that we were doing this, and he watched it, and he liked it. Yeah. Way to go. Dorkman? It's a very cynical movie. It's good for today. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I also... I hadn't seen it, and I don't recall... Um, I don't actually recall having feeling any familiarity as I'm watching it. It was just kind of... Um, you know, it, it was all very new to me, but I loved it. Um, as I was watching it, I, I was particularly um, impressed by the performances, which, of course, were nominated for and well, won and won Academy Award. Tatum O'Neill still the youngest Oscar winner of all time. Yeah, and uh, I, I was there were a couple of times that I that I wound up disrupting the flow <laughs> just by I was watching it and and I would be going through a scene and I'm like. Wait, is this scene just the one shot? There's a, there's is a this lot of still just there's the one a shot? lot of wonders in yeah, this movie and I too. Just, and I just I'd have to go back and be like, yeah. no, surely this cut like five minutes ago. There's what no, there's, <laughs> there's that one conversation where they're driving that's two and yeah. a half minutes straight through. Yeah. driving down the road, it's amazing. Yeah, they're looking at the map and all that. Yeah, yeah. Like, keep just got to keep on veering. Go to a depot. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, but I I absolutely loved it. I'm I'm glad we're. Uh, we're doing it and and the the whole purpose of doing this is to expose us and our <laughs> listeners to pe- movies they wouldn't have before and i'm glad that this is the first one because i think it definitely solid uh, recommendation yeah anyway so you're at the point where the paramount logo has faded to black as we are here put your finger on the button three two one on pause now is that does anybody know if that was a vintage paramount logo i believe it is let's see like yeah. for but f- compared to the time like if in the 70s they were like let's use the 30s paramount logo yeah i think i think it is that okay. font is such okay. an odd choice for this no it's period that's that's total 30s that's total art deco font really yeah that's very i guess it is, well it is very art deco i just don't associate that with the dust bowl really well yeah, it's, 30s. it's more like great gatsby well it's 30s. about it's it's 30s movies would have that because you know right. the, again the whole yeah. the, the, you know, the archetype of 30 30s movies was it's all like glitz and glamour and broadway babies of 1930 and like you know life is wonderful because life was so awful right so everything is all showbiz and glitz oh, and glamour well so. then i then i actually love that even more because it's setting you up as 30s glitz and glamour here we go yeah, and it's then it's going to show you this, the depression yeah the, <laughs> the actual the actual depression hucksters in the depression well we this is also a gateway to um the title cards all look like cards against humanity to me now. Yeah, someone someone who, <laughs> so, if you're not familiar with Paper Moon, then you're probably not familiar with Peter Bogdanovich in general. And mm-hmm. Peter Bogdanovich was, uh, the opening title there was The Director's Company, which was one of those, he was one of that crowd of, of you know, young, hot, new directors in the 70s when the studios were like, we don't know what people want to see anymore. All of our big blockbuster musicals are tanking and we're all losing money and being bought by corporations. So these young kids would get these, okay, you can get $780,000, $2 million to make a movie. What the hell? Why not? Um, Bogdanovich was kind of with that crowd. And uh, his first movie, I think his first movie was Last Picture Show, which also won a bunch of Oscars. I think this is his second one. And the third one that he did that I need to check out now because I want to see if it holds up is What's Up, Doc, which Doc Bogdanovich was one of those like students of film. He was what he was like Orson Welles's best buddy in the end of Welles's life and so on. And so he came out to Hollywood and became this sort of, you know, he was he was a scholar of film and he would write film essays for Esquire and so on. So he totally studied the period. So you can tell, totally tell that he wanted to capture the exact look and feel of what a, a movie from the 30s looks like. But he, what's up, Doc, is this is his, you know, sort of Sullivan's Travels, which everyone always references Sullivan's Travels. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is a reference to Sullivan's Travels, hmm. which I finally checked out. And it's a pretty awful movie that doesn't really hold up anymore. <laughs> it's really, really strange, that movie. Um, I really did not. Uh, you know, finally saw Sullivan's Travels after it being this legendary thing um, and didn't really care for it that much. But this certainly has a, is an homage to Sullivan's Travels in a way. And so is Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, for that matter. Um, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou 
is the name of the movie that the guy Sullivan in Sullivan's Travels wants to make. That's, oh, that's oh what, wow. Yeah. So it's, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. that's, that's, that's what Oh Brother Where I Thought comes from. So, um, and it's a, that's an authentic 30s movie. Um, so you see a lot of the actual period stuff, but there's also very period racism and very period <laughs> weirdness, but it's about the Depression. But anyway, so Bogdanovich was you know big on that. But then What's Up Doc is a modern day for the time, 70s, screwball comedy, which is a 30s format. And it's one of the greatest screwball comedies of the modern era ever made, or was at the time. There's some parts that are just, as I recall, are gut-bustingly funny. He captured the screwball comedy vibe in a in a period in a in a modern day movie. Of course, modern day now being the 70s, but but I need to check out what's up, Doc, because I remember that just being devastatingly funny in the theater. But oh. I wonder if it holds up. But I was I was pleasantly surprised to find out how well this holds up. Yeah, he keeps looking like Carrie Elwes to me for some reason. Yeah, he has a yeah. lot of Carrie Elwes going on. Jonas Miller, he's a nightcrawler. <laughs> um, this was edited. I I I caught her name in the uh, in the um was the, it Verna the Fields? It was Verna Fields. It was Verna who Fields, yeah. also edited Jaws. Yeah, she was she was, uh, the, was shot by Laszlo Kovacs, Laz- who's apparently been around forever. Yeah, Laszlo well, Kovacs, yeah. not anymore. But. Laszlo Kovacs, the cinematographer of Ghostbusters, yep. is the yep. main thing. I I obviously. Yeah. So this just uh, this beautiful. This they shot this all mostly in Kansas. Um, no shit. Yeah, so it's just, it's all about these v- huge vistas, these amazing flat flat landscapes that are just it's around uh, I guess supposedly around T- Hayes, Kansas, which is of course near Missouri and all the other places they reference. There's all kind of the authentic, the real places. And again, in the '70s in the Midwest, especially, you know, a lot of that stuff from the '30s was still there. So you know, the 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 period buildings and everything. You could you could roll into these small towns with your movie crew and and get away with murder practically. The this- one the one thing that to me cues that that again I I was already at this point watching it had forgotten that it was made in the 70s and I felt like it was and was already it does look it looks on like board like Wizard of Oz or something being right made now. in the 30s yeah. exactly the one thing that that kind of cues you that it's a little bit more modern than that is he he's doing a lot of like slow pushing and in yeah. and slow yeah. reframing and stuff like that and they wouldn't do that in the 30s it would have just been a locked master you, you but he does the, a lot of lock masters too you can tell the camera is just a little bit more mobile than it was really possible yeah. for yeah. it to be yeah, exactly. in, in, those, in that time by the way, I just real I just realized I said Gilda Radner when I met Madeline Kahn. Okay, fair okay. enough. Yes, <laughs> a lot of people make that mistake. Yeah, this is one. Of, that was one of Madeline Kahn's first movies, if not her first movie. That was an early movie for. So this is pre Blazing Saddles, is it? I believe or it is. Believe. When did this come out? Seventy three. Seventy three. Yeah, the Blazing Saddles was seventy eight. Not that I feel late. Feel like it not was mid seventies, like seventy five. I want to say without looking it up, but. Uh... Oh no. I wonder how they. I, I, I wonder how they were um, rigging up the car because it must have been a trailer. It must have been on a trailer yeah, because it started. Tow, yeah. It started in like that and then pulled out, so it can't have been just mounted on the car. Yeah. Um, I love how how quickly it's like you're you're thrown into it with her. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's the, like, "What is what is even happening?" Yeah, right the now? instant he's got he's got the kid with her, he's like, "Okay, I know how to use this <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, exactly to, to run a scam." Blazing Saddles was seventy four, by the way. Okay, okay. so this year next, next year, yeah, okay. so. So this was, I, I believe, and I believe, I think Madeline Kahn was also nominated for supporting actress, but she lost to Tatum O'Neill for this. Mm. Um, so that certainly put her on the map, if I remember, remember, remember that correctly. 
Tedmo O'Neill won for Best Supporting Actress, uh, youngest ever. Of course, star Madeline Kahn was also nominated for that award, but lost yeah. to Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. The film Wait. was nominated for Best Sound. Yep, what you're, what you're thinking is <laughs> absolutely a big thing. Probably. Adapted she, screenplay, Alvin Sargent. Yeah. I'll give you this one, Alvin. Um, and uh, Tatum O'Neill was also nominated for Golden Globe. What were you going to say, Brian? Supporting? She was only nominated <laughs> yes, for supporting? Exactly. Well, that's, you, you nominated <laughs> for supporting because that way she can win. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, it's like she's not going to win in best actress category. You know, she's going to be. Well, I have no idea what else was well, up be that a, year. But well, we could, but it'd be people like Catherine Hepburn and stuff like that. She'd be up against. So you yeah. nominated for supporting because uh, you know that makes that that actually does make sense in that way. So best actress uh, Liza Minnelli won for Cabaret that year. Yeah, so up against Diana Ross, Maggie Smith, Cicely Tyson, and Liv Ullman. But yeah, yeah one of the so, I yeah. didn't realize that, that was not a year for Tatum to win. <laughs> that old. One of the one of the one of the trivia pieces is that this is probably. Uh, the most substantial performance ever nominated as supporting. Yeah. It's oh, okay. effectively a lead. Yeah, she's yeah, in it, it almost the, the whole she movie. She is the lead. And we can talk about it because she was all of like whatever she was, like is she nine or something like that? Or is she won at 10, so yeah, she would have been nine. Yeah, she's probably. nine years old. Yeah. Nine but, years old, yeah. And it's pretty, you know, it's like, of course, they are real, real father and daughter, so there's that dynamic to, to start off with. Um, but she's she's really... She's really quite amazing, and you know, and and she did go on to do other other movies, but then then kind of got out of it. You know, I think there was you know was she was in Bad a, News Bears. Yeah, Bad News Bears was a big movie. That was and that's 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 quite uh, quite something too. Oh my but. gosh, she was married to John McEnroe for a while. She was married to John McEnroe. She and she that's and weird. Ryan have been estranged off and on for all of ever since, and I think I think they're estranged again right now. I think <laughs> you can follow her on Twitter. She's you know she's. She's now, you know, 40-something years old or whatever she is. Before but. she was married to John McEnroe, she dated Michael Jackson. Yeah. How about that? Well, who Go didn't? Tatum. 70s were a wild time. <laughs> she and Drew Barrymore have some stories, probably. She kind of looks like Drew Barrymore. Or am I just being a little white girl racist? <laughs> you are. That's a very Oh, rare like all racism. little white girls look alike. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I can see Drew Barrymore playing this role 10 years later, though. So... A little bit, it's, but there's some, there's, there's some like, I really love, there's some like deep well of anger coming out of her in this yeah. movie that oh, really makes it like work. She's pissed off the whole yeah. time. Which is, it's it's interesting because like you were saying, they're they're really father and daughter and it's like, that I'm sure that helped with, you know, just making it so she wasn't, you know, she, she wasn't as nervous in front of the camera, but there's... There's one thing when you're doing that, and it's it's the real relationship. Yeah. But they're doing the opposite, where she's got this incredible hostility. Yeah, exactly. The not, whole movie. Not since uh, not, not until After Earth did we see a yeah. similar dynamic on screen. And, and, and <laughs> I just love shots like that, yeah, where she's just glaring at him. <laughs> That's all she had to do, just sit there and glare. She's the angriest nine-year-old you've ever met in your life. <laughs> so here, uh, here comes one of our uh, one of our first big, just yeah. master shots. Where there are, yeah. she's arguing about, I want my money. When we come inside, yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that you could not make today. Or at least a studio wouldn't make this movie today. Like, so, no. so hard. Not only is it just a character piece that follows them kind of wandering through things and not saving the entire universe, but also <laughs> just this dynamic. I'm surprised this movie got made then, less because it, 70s, but like... This is still a really dicey thing to it, put on it, screen. It depends. I agree in general, um, but I think there are a few people who could get this made. Nebraska felt like it was trying to be yeah. a movie like yeah, this. Yeah, sure. The Coen brothers could have... Well, yeah, but the, the, little, the, 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 little, the little girl aspect is what I'm sort of yeah. focusing on. Yeah. It's true. The, the, artist, the artist has 
aspects of the same attempt. Obviously, the artist is more the artist, formerly known as Prince. Self, uh, <laughs> self masturbatory. You know, Hollywood that, is that awesome one best aspect. picture. Isn't that amazing to think? Yeah, about? <laughs> right. That movie. Remember that movie? One best picture, like two years ago. The artist is like the Mitt Romney of <laughs> best picture winners. No, because it won something. No, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying that like we're gonna complete. We already mostly have, but we're going to completely forget that the artist. It's, won it's the George. Picture. It's the George Bush Senior of uh, of movies. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, he was president, wasn't he? What did oh, yeah, he? There was that other for one like, for like a whole four years or something. What did he do exactly? He was actually in charge. Like that was yeah, it. Man. He was yeah. the, he was the president for a while. I think I think it uh, it actually it, it also feels um, one of the reasons it feels of its period is it's written in a lot of ways like movies of its period. Yeah, like the repetition that he's going to have of each or uh, whatever it's called. He hasn't said it yet, but um, he keeps repeating to you know the the same line over and over again, and it's funny because he <laughs> yeah. keeps he's got this desperation to it, and so it's hard it, it's hard to make that work sometimes, um, but it works really well. Um, yeah, I mean this this whole conversation. It's it's amazing how interesting it is, given that it just goes in circles for like <laughs> yeah. two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. You know the extras. Uh, the Coney, also, yeah, his her Coney Island. She's just, he keeps saying, "Just eat your Coney, eat Island, your Coney Island over and over Island. again." Uh, the extras in this movie all seem extraordinarily authentic. Yeah, not necessarily to real Kansas people of the thirties, because how would I know? But like. The extras seem authentic to 1930s extras. Mm. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It's, they it, seem like they didn't know what the scene was. And so they're, they're actually startled when they start <laughs> yeah. shouting at each other. It's hard. You never know. But it's, it's you know, it's been referenced several times that there are, if you look at old pictures, it's like people don't look like that anymore. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, we're a little more, I mean, and, and, and this is going to be, geez, you know, thank God I don't have a TV show where I would say this because this is probably the wrong word, but it's like, we're much more mongrelized now. I mean, when you had people that were, you know, a hundred years ago, people were fresh off the boat from Ellis Island, you know, Irish people kind of, you know, you can still kind of tell what an Irish person looks like versus, a, you know, because people were more, the gene pools were more isolated, but now we're centuries, you know, a couple centuries of, you know, international travel, we all sort of, you know, the blending of, of you know, yeah. the various different sort of uh, bre- breeds yeah. of human, <laughs> you know, the Cocker Spaniels are breeding with the German Shepherds now. And so, but you see some, like, you look at those 1930s pictures where these people are fresh off the boat from somewhere where they've been, you know, the populations have been more isolated. It's like, people just don't look like that so much yeah. anymore. So, you don't, and even now it's like, you even look back at at you know in the in the forties or yeah thirties or forties, and you go that this is a high school yearbook and they all look forty two yeah like, yeah because <laughs> well, they had all been working on the farms yeah, since they were exactly. yeah. alive it's not the years it's the miles day yeah so yeah you you know when you when you go to these kind of places and when you get out of you know Hollywood and everything else you you know you good casting people will really look for those really interesting interesting faces. A lot, of the, a lot of the townsfolk that they talk to that they sell Bibles to are, are just local people who weren't even necessarily actors. It's another similarity with Nebraska. Yeah. You, you, know, what, you, you know what makes this conversation so interesting the is straw? the fact that... Is, <laughs> yes, number one. The, <laughs> the, number, the Well, straw. The, the straw. The straw makes me look at it and I'm like, is this a split screen or something? Is that hiding <laughs> some kind of scene? Yeah. But um, uh, the, the fact that... In their relationship, she is the one with the power most. Of the yeah. Time. yeah, yeah, no, she's that's just, what makes it so interesting. She's got him wrapped around her finger at yeah. this point. This is why we need men's rights. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. This it's, is so anti-male. These little this girls movie. are taking away our our right. freedoms. <laughs> 
and, and it's initially because it's the like, daughtriarchy. Like, yeah. it's not even matriarchy. It's little. It's the it's the daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> da- daughtriarchy. It's a uh, uh, fee. Yeah, fiarchy. I like. Yeah. I like how he's like. They'll trust me more if my teeth are messed up. So he puts. Well, he's got a gold tooth that makes yeah. him look rich and prosperous. Mm. So gold tooth is like, oh, he's classy. It almost looked like he was putting in like those Billy Bob teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's his gold. Hello. It's his gold tooth. But um, and I like. I like the fact that this movie doesn't. You know, it it doesn't explain a lot to you. You have to, you know, this whole thing about the Bibles. You know, there's no one ever says, "Oh, I see you find widows and you try and sell them yeah. a Bible." I mean, it's all done with just the imagery and and her figuring it out. My favorite thing, like and that she says, is, she it's it's what she she goes. I know what he's gonna call her. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna say he's gonna call her Pearl. No, I just love the uh, for the sort of same reason the cash register con. Yeah. They never which is explain, a wonder, which is a wonder by the way. Damn thing. Yeah. They just let you watch like maybe they They do it like three times. Right. Yeah. yeah. He just keeps like writing it up. Yeah. Uh and it doesn't explain that at all. I mean it's a kind of a complicated con. I think you can figure it out even if you can't figure it out watching it, you you can tell what's happening. The, the, can, the point of the con is to keep the person talking about somewhat something else so they're not paying attention to the numbers. Basically, you you give them the you you get change for the five and then you give them a five, but you don't give them the change back and get them to yeah. give you a ten or a ten and a twenty or however you want to roll it. But but that's a that's a classic. Yeah, it's lost ten dollars. Yeah, it's a classic con. Uh, I I actually Aww. I accidentally I I actually accidentally did that con to myself once. <laughs> it yeah. was like I was at I was um I was in marching band in high school and we go to the competitions and Wait, stuff. Wait, what'd you play? The clarinet. Oh, and they would have oh. uh you know they would sell programs for the for the thing and people would come around and you know sell programs and concessions and stuff in the stands. <laughs> and it was like I had a it, it I had a twenty and it cost seven, and so. I managed to confuse myself to the point that, like, I gave them the twenty and got my change, but I was like, "Wait, if, so- if somebody else was like, well, I've got a ten, we could do." And so oh, it, it yeah. went in the circle. So I wound up paying like twenty eight dollars for this <laughs> stupid thing. You got huckstered. Yeah, you got taken. And, and then everybody, no, but it was great because the, the the she came back just as all of all of us in the group were. were, were realized at the same time wait a second <laughs> and then she came back like i'm pretty sure something went wrong here and i'm like yeah okay let's try this again but so, we're never gonna figure it out okay. now yeah it's lost in time now it's a fun fact on the imdb page where uh, bogdanovich didn't like the title of the novel which was just called addy prey but he didn't know whether paper moon was a good enough title i want to i want to read the novel he yeah, asked uh bogdanovich asked his buddy orson wells if you like that title, and wells replied that title is so good you shouldn't even make the picture just release the title <laughs> yeah <laughs> Only he said it like Orson Welles. Yeah. You know. And it, it turns out to be, I mean, you know, it's funny that it wasn't, you know, that they were dubious about it because it seems to be a perfect title for it. Yeah. It's all about, you know, about, about the real thing versus... versus. I wonder why this movie doesn't end sham. up on the sort of famous set of excellent movies from the 70s. It really should. Like I mean, Chinatown's I, on there, Sting's on there. Why isn't this one on that list? I've never, I, heard, I'd never heard of it before I think this. It, I think it is in certain circles, but it is, it is one of the reasons I wanted to, to present it is because I think it should it should be, unlike some movies where you like Easy Rider, like, okay, you know, Easy Rider's like, you know, like like community service watching Easy Rider. <laughs> Which I still haven't done. You I can understand it as like, okay, that's a, that that is of its time and that doesn't have any relevance to me today. But this movie is just good. It's just good and enjoyable. I mean, whether or not it's, it's significant in movie history, but it's like it's a it's a movie from the 70s like if you think all of 70s movies are and many of them you know a lot of them are french connection and you know and stuff like that they're the whole gritty the whole gritty sort of life is terrible yeah like post vietnam you know well that's a that's a british movie <laughs> i was kidding um it is a british movie i didn't know that as You're opposed right. to as opposed to you know then and as we've many said many times then it's, you know the end of the 70s you know 
this kid George Lucas says, I'm going to make a hopeful movie about, you know, good guys and bad guys and the good guys win for a change. And, you know, that worked out for him. So so this is this kind of splits the difference in terms of the tone. It's like it doesn't have a big rousing like and everything was OK in the end. But it's just like it's more of, you know, life goes on. But at least it, it does. You know, that's the that's the consolation prize. <laughs> well, we survived that bullshit. Yeah, we got so. through that. So. So well, and they find each other. That's yeah. The, well, that's, that's and that's really the point. It's all about yeah. you know the and, and I love that the movie never really not and then not that it could in any way. Although probably some studio executive nowadays would go can't can't we prove that he's really her father because you know mm-hmm. otherwise it's kind of creepy. <laughs> it's like if he's not her father, it's kind of icky, isn't it? It's like well, it doesn't matter. That's the point. Well, I think Harold like, and Maud come out. Is there as you know? Is there they're as good as father and daughter, and that's yeah. all that really matters. I I feel like I I I'm I feel like the movie pretty much outright says he is it almost it all but does. i think that i think to the point where he doesn't actually know either yeah. he has no idea because this this whole sort of the mysterious mom who you kind of get a picture of right. what what she was about um it's he, it's he may or may not be he yeah. doesn't know and he decides he doesn't care yeah that's that's the important thing i love how this is such a tremendously shitty thing to do, especially to yes. families that can't afford yeah. food. Oh my god, it's monstrous <laughs> yeah. what he's doing. <laughs> it's yeah. terrible. They, they just lost somebody in their lo- wonderful in their life that they care about deeply, and <laughs> he's using this horrible scam to prey <laughs> no, it's, on it's their it's weakness. Really, really yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at least in this case, this woman is clearly shacked up with a local sheriff. Like, yeah, a I know. Week it's after like, her husband. All, yeah, wait a minute. What's up here? Exactly. You don't know what they were talking about. Maybe she had a break-in. Yeah, yeah maybe he's yeah. just checking on her to see how maybe she's doing. Maybe he killed doing. the husband. Maybe she hired the sheriff to kill the husband and then keep it off the books because he's a corrupt <laughs> sheriff. This lady deserves to have this Bible forced on her. Now that sounds like a Coen Brothers movie. It does. <laughs> well, the reason I, I, think, think, I, I think it was oh, a Coen Brothers. The reason movie. I was saying the the Coen Brothers connection occurred to me is it's it's a episodic sort of character wandering story, which is the sort of thing they tend to make an awful lot of. Um, there's not a lot of things that tie all this Coen Brothers movie together, but one of them is that they tend to be about characters as opposed to about plots, yeah, really. True. You know, the Coen Brothers would likely never make something like Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> or Star Wars, for that matter. Yeah. If they were to make Ocean's Eleven, the heist wouldn't be in it, and it would well, just be those the, characters if, talking if to the each other. Ma- yeah. If the source material has a plot, then they'll follow the plot. Like right. they they follow True Grit to the letter. The the Lady oh, yeah, Killers yeah. has a beginning, middle, and end plot, but it's mostly about the characters for oh, them. I need to go back and watch the Lady Killers again. Yeah. Lady that, Killers that, is great. That one got a, a really bad rap at the time. And Tom Hanks said, we will all have waffles forthwith. Which yes. That's a hell of a line. We'll all have waffles. We'll all have waffles forthwith. Yeah. But it's clearly they, the reason they did that movie still was about the characters because they just had fun with, the, with all those different people. I love, we've talked about it before, but when you do a period piece, that can be dicey. But when you do a period piece that is itself really old, like an old period piece movie that was modern when it came out, but, you know, when it came out. As a period piece, and then you watch it like several decades later. Those always work so well that you. There's something about stacking the the two different time dilations on top of each other that makes these movies perfect. Well, that, well that's well, probably just Sturgeon's law. We're not watching, yeah, yeah. bad period piece movies. Yeah, and there's plenty of them. Bogdanovich made a few himself, unfortunately. There's, there's also the fact that uh, as a result, it doesn't date itself. You know, yeah. I yeah, watched, yeah. I went back and I finally, you know, talking about community service, I finally got around to watching Taxi Driver. Recently. Oh yeah, um, I watched that one a while ago. I, and I liked it. I'm like, okay, I see why people are on about this. Sure, um, but it's definitely like. You know, that is from the 70s. Yeah. That is a movie from the 70s, whereas this is could be 
from the 30s could yeah. be from any old time. And I imagine and it's about a story about characters, like you said, as opposed to a character and his particular yeah. place in in time. And I imagine there will be things you know, when I get around to watching What's Up Doc again, because that's very much set in the 70s. That there will be things like, oh wow, really? Okay, gosh, you know, and even just little details like, you know, oh look at the phones. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> it's always that. <laughs> yeah, it's always the phones are just weird, and the cars. Oh my gosh, look at that. But um, the uh, I remember the, the the premise of of what's up doc is it's it's the ultimate MacGuffin movie because there's there's like seven it's all of it's the screwball comedy takes starts in a hotel where seven different people with seven different bags that happen to be all identical <laughs> all check in at the same time and one of them is full of jewels and one of them is full of secret That's government right. papers it sounds like clue almost. and one of them is just Ryan O'Neill's uh, his Ryan O'Neill's he's a, he's a geologist and it's a Ryan O'Neill's rock collection is in one of them and so it's all about how everyone wants what's in one of those bags. And the comedy of errors that results when everyone's trying to steal the bags, but no one knows. Everyone always gets the wrong bag over and over and over again. <laughs> so, and and it stars Ryan O'Neill and uh, and Barbara Streisand. Believe it or not, hear me out. But um, it's it's just it's a screwball comedy. It's a perfect screwball comedy thing. And the fact that no one ever actually gets the bag they want or the Paul ba- Durham on the screen there. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, the bags don't matter because nothing in the bags ever affects the plot. It's right. like a multiple MacGuffin movie. That's. That sounds like the most '30s premise I've ever. It is. It's 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 again. It's a it's a perfect screwball comedy premise, like a Marx Brothers movie. Yeah, and it very has that very much. And I recall it has that very much has that vibe, but I haven't seen it in a long time, and I'm curious how it holds up, or if the period aspects of it will interfere with the enjoyment of it. We were talking about. I think we even mentioned this is this is one of our winners, by the way. There's one cutaway to her, but otherwise to to the girl. This one right here, but otherwise it's all done. It's all done as a a big single. I think we'd mentioned it on the social network commentary, but the social network itself is actually a period piece. It's for a period like eight years before the movie came out. Yeah. But it's, and I think something about that movie will hold up perfectly. Like even being a period piece that's really recent, little tiny, you know, jump from the period to when they were making the movie. Even that much, I think, will encase that movie in its own thing and it will age well as opposed to feeling like, oh, we don't make movies like this anymore. I think this it'll is- I think it'll age well as like as one of those time capsule movies where it's, where it's like this is a perfect a perfect movie about the time that it's about, and it's it's you know, something something to like the eighty five parts of Back to the Future. Yeah, I don't know. It, the Social Network in particular just doesn't seem as the story doesn't seem to interface with the outside world that much. It's so self contained within these people and kind of within Harvard itself that, um, you know, this movie they're they're driving around the countryside, mm-hmm. uh, in. Chinatown, for example, Jack is running around all of Los Angeles at the time. And so you get that kind of that period flavor. But Social Network, while Altiga is right that it is a period piece, even at the time it was made, it I don't think it will come across as, as much of a period piece as mm. like this or, like this, or as yeah. Chinatown does. In the chat room, uh, Strapinis just logged in long enough to say that he just took Palu out to dinner. <laughs> Paul's in London well, working at Dineg for a few months. He's like, yeah, I just oh. took Paul out. He's out. He's good. Dinner. Nice. It's like 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's crazy. English they people. Have such weird traditions over there. God, With your tea and dinner at 2.30. Dinner crumpets or whatever. <laughs> hey, how, how do I come out and work at Dineg for a couple of months? Yeah. I would like to go to London again. <laughs> beautiful. I love, yeah. I, I love his constant, like, his his. he does this amazing <laughs> thing where it's like, you can tell he just wants to punch this yeah, in the face. Exactly. <laughs> like, so master bad. of the slow burn in this yeah. one. Just like, oh. <laughs> I wonder if it's particularly weird to be performing with a family member like this. You see, you see it happen from time to time. But I always just wonder if that's 
extra awkward somehow. Like when you when you're faking a conversation with someone you don't know in a movie, that's like, all right, we both know what we're doing here. But when you're faking a conversation with someone you do, I feel like it would feel different. I don't it, know why. It de- it depends on if on if it's a if it's something that you're both kind of comfortable with doing in general or the idea of it. Like if she'd never really acted or seen him act before and he just threw her in, that could be kind of weird. But if she's kind of familiar with how it goes, it's like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk you through this. Like being, being with someone is then like your training wheels. So it's not, it's not quite as weird because it is a very strange thing to do with perfect strangers. There was a movie well. like this total non movie that like movie that didn't happen. That was just on Netflix one day. <laughs> um, it was with Colin Hanks and Colin Hanks was like the assistant to this traveling magician. Um, and wow. oh my god wait the, and what? that had uh, John Malkovich in it is that yes. the one yes yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow and then at the end of this never heard of this thing. I'm, yeah. trying, to, I'm trying to remember what the name of it and is and there was an I think uncredited at least it was I'm it, sure it'll come up in the chat I think it was uncredited here by the way just, been... just real quick if you're watching this oh, yeah. there's, there's a wonder here's the this is like um, one and a half or two and a half minutes straight yeah. right now we're, where they're gonna they're gonna argue about the yeah. map while at the beginning of this shot, we saw those people with the broken down car. So there's yeah. a bunch of extras just sitting on the road. Exactly for that- two, two minutes. Now the story is that, 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 that just real quick, and then we get back to the your your Malkovich thing. But the the trivia on this one is it took a day and a half to get this, and and they had to. But it just is if they if the if the shot went on any longer, they'd be pulling into town. They'd be they'd hit town, <laughs> so they'd have to go back all the way and reset again and and get it again. But uh, if if they'd gone on just a couple seconds longer, you would have pulled into you know presumably a f- fairly modern looking stretch of stretch of town. I'm just surprised the audio is so good. I mean, yeah, it, it it's looks amazing. like it looks like a trailer gag. Like the car's parked on a on a truck and the truck's driving the car. Oh, it probably it is. surely is but because this you you'd think that it'd be you know <laughs> constantly. Yeah, yeah, in the in the. In the shot where it introduces it, it starts like on her little cigar box, and then it dollies wider and, and yeah. pulls out to frame both of them. So it's got to be on. So the it's trailer. probably yeah, just a just a, a dummy car shell on a on a trailer most a lot of the time. And of course, they keep switching them. They they get a better car and then a worse car and so on. So anyway, since you're this, saying yes, this movie isn't the most important thing in the world. The, so the I'll, great I'll, Buck I'll, Howard is the one that you the were great Buck oh, Howard. Wow. That's right. Okay. Uh, and this movie isn't the most important thing in the world. So I'll just tell you that at the end of it, there is a scene with I believe an uncredited Tom Hanks. Hmm, where it's sense. Colin Hanks talking to Tom Hanks. And it's the first time I've ever seen that happen. As far as I know, they had never met before that. I don't know. But it was just weird. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, cool. It's Colin Hanks and Tom Hanks in a scene together. It's kind of weird. Also, just because Colin Hanks looks so much like Tom Hanks. Yeah. So does Jim Hanks. All those Hanks boys. This is this is a scene, actually, where I feel kind of the actual the actual father-daughter dynamic yeah. underneath it. Like, you feel like they're just on the verge of maybe cracking up, but yeah. they manage to keep it together. <laughs> Yeah. Especially him. This is like the skit they do at Christmas every year. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. like, let's do that while we argue in the car. Okay, let's do that. No, it's not brain surgery to memorize lines, but I'm really impressed that oh, you yeah. memorized this whole scene. This is, yeah, this is a mind-boggling. This is like the scene that gets you an Oscar. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> well, the, if the, you're nine. We're already over two minutes on this yeah. scene. Yeah. The, other, the other thing that she's doing that I think may, uh, you know, is, is so fantastic about her performance. Go. Two minutes and ten seconds. Yeah. Is the... Is, and you see it whenever they're running a scam. It's like the layers of performance that's going on. Like the 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 cash register scam earlier, there is. It starts with her, you know. She she got a little bow in her hair so that she looks like a little girl. Yeah. But, you know, and she's got this just outraged look on her face the whole time. <laughs> but then when he realizes that she when she realizes he's running a scam, she puts on all this sweetness and light thing over top of it. So it's like she's simultaneously playing <laughs> these two characters. Yeah. She's playing this this grumpy little you know. She's ang- playing a grumpy girl playing a happy girl. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's really well done. And this and there's so much going on with the eyes where they just whatever they're saying they're looking at each other like shut up I know. Shut 
shut up. Yeah. Quit it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it goes back to the idea that all children are just natural born actors and imagineers and it's true it's, it's absolutely it's true. the process of growing yeah. up that beats that process out of or yeah. that ability out of us and then every acting class in the world is well, just the, well, ma- the the process of putting that ability back inside you well the trick isn't like kids are natural born maker uppers the trick for kids is no, no no don't say anything you want say these lines and make them seem real yeah make it make it feel natural oh but kids follow their own scripts all the time when they play if you if you watch kids well, yeah but making them say own. a certain line is the thing that not all kids yeah. are good at I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure you're right that all kids. If you just want, if, wanted, you, if you, you had an improv scene with a kid, the yeah, kid and you can see it. that happen in movies all the time, where they just put an actor in a room with like a kid and just go, okay, play with the toys for two minutes, and we'll use the good parts. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the same that's way you'd totally, shoot a cat. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's totally fine. But yeah, the idea that you know this this nine year old has to handle all this dialogue and all this character work is that that's not that's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. Is what I'm saying. Oh. That's not normal. And the, oh, the, please, I was Tom Sawyer at nine. <laughs> and the the. So you see my point. (laughs) (laughs) And and again, this being this being written in the style of the kind of movie you'd have in the 30s, it's not it's not just a matter of the dialogue, but it's also a matter of the timing. It's a very snappy back and forth that they have to do. So she has to be ready with her line as soon as he's done with his line. And and, um, it's it's very important. And, And it's so tightly it's such a tight back and forth that it's like you can't. You can't just kind of get the gist of the line. You have to hit the exact line because he's going to respond to a word that you said. Yeah. So you can't just kind of say it. One of the other little fun facts on the IMDb page is that, you know, she's smoking constantly in this movie. And obviously those aren't real cigarettes. There's not even nicotine in them. Apparently they were uh, wrapping paper wrapped around lettuce. <laughs> yeah, that's the just like snorting, uh, snorting B12 and Wolf of Wall Street and so on. Still doing the line of B twelve would probably would give you a pretty big head mess rush. you up. I can't imagine like this. Like, like five hour energy is B twelve. Yeah. yeah, I'm so, surprised. You, I, I'm surprised they didn't just snort sugar because you can. You can. That would hurt. Isn't that what they? I mean, people people snort sugar. fake cocaine all the time. What do they normally yeah. use? B twelve baby laxative. I heard something. Yeah, baby laxative. Evaporated milk. Either that or that's what you got real cocaine with. One of the two. I forget. Evaporated milk, I think, was one of them too. Oh god, that would be nasty. Well, it just like you would actually. Well, blow, the problem is like blow, the you blow pro- yogurt out of your nose. Yeah, the problem. <laughs> the problem. Yeah, don't do bumps of a probiotic. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> no, but the problem with any sort of a snorting thing, like if you if it's if it's cocaine, that's good because you want your body to absorb it. But anything else, you can't rinse out your nose really. Like you can't like. You, oh, that's you all over my can, sinuses. Strangely enough, you actually it's can. Water neti pot. But yeah, <laughs> water pot. Yeah, that's, that's why. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Neti pot. When you yeah, ever, no, a thing to, even in the shower, if you sinuses. accidentally get some water too far up your nose, you get that whole like uh, gaggy feeling. How do you rinse out your nose? You there's a thing there's, people do. There's a thing called a neti pot. It's very. Oh, yeah. I, I've never done it, but it's it's basically yeah, like a little teapot. It's like a little teapot, and you put some like salts and stuff in it so that you know because because saline you know you you don't want to pour just straight water through it you want to keep it but i should adjust you can rinse off your not your your sinuses you You just really don't want to well what you basically do some people you know you know some people people juggle by it like yeah exactly it's literally it's a little teapot and you put it up against one of your nostrils and you just kind of relax everything up in there and you tilt your head and it just pours through one and out the other it's just one of those insane things people do sometimes i don't get it myself don't breathe while you do it yeah it's it you know it's just there's just Uh a 
no way. kind of chamber up in there so it pours in and it pours out and you as long as you relax <laughs> it, it, it's generally this, okay look at this whole town look yeah. at this whole period town they, they dressed you know probably got every every period automobile in the greater kansas area to mm-hmm. dress this look it just goes on and on and on of course, I'm, at I'm the time, all looking. these cars were only like 30 or 40. Exactly. Years old. That's the weird thing. Is, I know, yeah, right? This, these things were like, much more accessible. This is the equivalent of us like we need to Getting get cars a, from the 70s. Yeah, we need to get a few like 1978 Corvettes. Yeah. Whoa, those are pretty old. Yeah, they're yeah, not that old. Not like, people people for, collect them. Like look we, look at, we look at those cars now and it's like, shit, that's like a hundred year old car. God, product placement these days is just so I know, Goodyear uh, paid paid huge amounts of money for Has their logo just never changed? No, it's always been that uh, the the what is it uh, mercury the i'm gonna shoe. see if that's right hold hermes, on hermes yeah hermes, hermes slash mercury. well mercury okay you're so fine you're greek i'm hmm. roman i said hermes slash mercury <laughs> okay i mean look at this department store is just so perfect yeah so perfectly authentic and who knows if they had to if it was mostly there you know they had to dress it with period stuff i'm sure but still it's like oh my god this is so perfect i'm so glad this exists i just googled goodyear 1930 and there's a website that just does logos over time <laughs> yeah. logopedia it's logos.wikia that's awesome. it's that's logos.wikia.com awesome. that's very cool and yeah that's the right logo this is a this is a great scam I remember when i saw this movie at the time i was like oh what, this is really what a brilliant scheme <laughs> this is genius it's like this one depends on your acting ability you mm-hmm. have to sell it you have to sell it but then all most cons do but this one uh this one is is real simple and it just it just relies on relies on your acting oh, skill and bringing it off wow just barely the right the right logo because they had a totally different, much more 1900s looking logo up until oh. 1930. Wow! And then they switched it over to the one we know. Supposedly, that's I remember one of the I think IMDb says that's that's not a period five or like the bill is like mm. too modern. I was gonna. I was. It was striking me though. I was like, that definitely looks period to me. Those bills because yeah. we don't. Our bills are friggin' you know turquoise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're weird now. Yeah, especially, especially I just uh, I just cashed a check and I got hundreds and the hundreds like coming. There's five different kinds of hundreds in circulation right now. So the guy's like counting it out and they're like, it's like Monopoly money. It's like <laughs> those, those can't all be real hundreds because they're so different. There's like three different, four different kinds. Wow. Imagine crazy. Imagine the version of this movie we almost got. The original idea for this was that John Houston would direct Paul Newman and his daughter. Hmm. That'd uh, be an interesting little movie there. I I still think that would have. I think that would have been great. Could have worked. Yeah. yeah. That could have been interesting. I feel. I actually feel. Although really I don't bad think. For, I don't feel like. I don't think. Maybe I've just never yeah. seen Paul Newman do that. But that, I can't that, imagine that, Paul Newman being this that, goofy. That twenty looks is right, but the five supposedly I think is is was too modern. I can't imagine Paul Newman being as like goofy and like dopey as. I can't. Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. In this. No. Can't, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just think of think think of him as a uh, uh, Bush well, Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but like he's a total dork. But in like, that but movie. like. Like, okay, here like we go. flustered. This is, check out this guy. oneer. This is a oneer right now, starting right now with a cotton candy. They have this entire county fair. There are two shots of it in this movie. There are two shots of this entire county fair. Uh, practically, it's there's 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 cutaways to the paper moon guy, but um, this I believe this is uh, this is the oneer right here. And then there's there's like the little brief thing with the uh, paper moon guy. And then there's the place closing down at the end in the next morning. So it's like again so counterintuitive. It's like is there is there lots and lots of coverage, conventional coverage of this county fair in a vault somewhere that they shot? But they said no, the wonders work fine. Or did they just like did they just own it and they don't know this is how we're shooting it? It's with with two hundred extras walking back and forth and all the rides and everything else. But this is all we're ever gonna shoot of it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna look just like this because they totally get it. They get everything you need and they don't. You know they don't. 
as David Mamet would say, you know, they don't focus on, look, we got a period this and look at the, you know, look at all this wonderful set decoration. It's just, it's just, it just tells the story it needs to. I got to get me one of those hats. Yeah. It's nice, a barbershop uh, quartet. Nice straw, straw boater there. And then but, I got to come up with an awful pun name because that's what you do. I'm, I'm sure they just, you know, like you said, this was, this was the seventies where th- this is why they hired guys like him. They're like, here, here's a pile of money and just do it the way you do it because we don't know anymore. <laughs> so, is that, this thing is still going, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna. I think it's just then there's a cutaway when she goes to the the photo guy, but this whole thing with all the rides and everything else, this is the only time you're ever gonna yeah. see any of it. Which which probably if, as long as you know, I guess as long as they had established that these two guys could nail a long take, they were like, this is gonna actually save us a bunch of time yeah. money because we have to set it well, set all the stuff up. By then the you're way. spending a day and a half to get the one take in the car, but right. still it works out the same. It's you know, it's it's two and a half. It's two pages. It's, yeah, you know, that's that's still a good ratio. I'm keeping an eye on the time. That's another two minute shot. That was that was a oneer, and then I think I think this uh, this is a oneer, just to get this out of the way. Bears are so creepy. There's the paper moon. And there's a paper moon. Brings it all together. Although I would oh, love to be. A, I get it. Yeah. I would love to be a carnival barker, though. That'd be fun. A carny? Not a, no, no, no. Not necessarily a carny, although maybe. But just a carnival barker. Like, I want to be the guy with, like, the can, no. like, step right up. Hey, Dad, no. come on over here. You know, see the amazing. I don't know. Randy. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing technical rainbow guy with the thing. Zagara Bonza, the yep. completely the astounding. astounding. <laughs> so there weren't even there weren't even cutaways. That was there were there was there was two wonders, and there's one more when they're the next morning when oh, they're okay. striking the tent, and that's the entire coverage of that <laughs> entire county fair is three shots. <laughs> this I believe is another wonder. Damn it, Bog! Just cut sometimes, will you? Yeah, jeez, you know there's this thing called cutting. You could totally do it. And it's amazing because it's it doesn't draw attention to itself. Yeah, you know it's 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 not like look at this amazing wonder we're doing and you know and and showing off, but it just it just works. And it's such a it's such a high wire act because again, you've got a nine year old, you know, who can do two minute scenes. It's it's you know, it's mind boggling. Fun fact: the only reason there are so many wonders is because him and his editor did not get along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you made that up. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing you're, at all. You're not really selling Bibles at all, are you? <laughs> I ain't cutting shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vernon Fields is like, where's the f- f- where's the coverage? Uh, what? Huh? I mean, other, you can go home, Verna. It's fine. Yeah, it, it varies from <laughs> take it, take it, it, it varies from scene to scene. You know, it's like some scenes. Obviously, there is lots of cutting and so on, and that's all fine. Now, now he's now he's got like two more characters to to compensate for, so. He's still got some extended takes. But Apparently, still. there's a story about this girl who plays Imogene, the, the black girl, uh, PJ Johnson, walked right up to Peter Bogdanovich and said, ooh, you good looking. <laughs> and impressed with her guts, Bogdanovich responded by saying, you just got the part. Yeah. Yeah, she's an, she's an non-actress. She she's did this and like one other thing. And, and, you know, she's... She has a red link for her wiki page. Like, yeah, just nothing there. Yeah. Oh. If you look at her IMDb credits, there was like this and like one other thing she was in and she did like a cameo and something just because it was... She doesn't have a page. She's the paper moon person. We have that in common with her. Imogene is my favorite character. She is. (laughs) She is amazing. Like early on, like her first appearance because she's doing Yes, Miss Trixie and all that. I was like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) This is the character. But then then it's the whole thing where... That's just the character she's playing yeah. because that's what Trixie. And it turns out she's like the smartest person in this whole movie. Yeah. I'm like, I love her. Yeah. Wow. I just always undercut. Tell him about that time you tried to hit you with a bottle. <laughs> she, had, 
She has three acting credits. Uh, one is this. Then after that, there's apparently a Paper Moon TV series. Yeah. And then she was in a movie. Starring Jodie Foster, I believe. I'll check. And then 16 years later, there she like played some... a waitress in Texasville. In which Texasville, is which, yeah. is, which is the sequel to Last Picture Show. And her most recent credit is as self in a video called Yoga Slim yeah. in 2007. Oh, nice. You know, so she's getting jobs. Yeah, she's working. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's I love her in this scene. Yeah, the, the conversation it's they another, have. It's is another one. Yet another yep. one. Or I didn't two. realize there was a Paper Moon TV show with Jodie Foster. With Jodie right. Foster, yeah, they tried to make it. Tried to make it work as a TV show. I mean, you, you, you totally see how it makes sense. Is a oh, I can totally get it. We can travel around, and it's a whole episodic and blah blah blah. But didn't didn't go anywhere. How many episodes did that last? It says uh, I think thirteen episodes, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> thirteen and done. PJ Johnson was in it. Did Fox yeah. air them out of order? Yeah, that that was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that happens constantly. I think, I think I'd imagine it was probably more that you know you really couldn't do as as tame as this kind of seems. It, you couldn't do this movie really as a television show in terms of the tone of it and the content of it. You know, Jodie Foster's going to smoke a cigarette. No, she's not. <laughs> no. Oh, huh. so I'm just reading uh, Tatum O'Neill's trivia, and I just as you're saying Jodie Foster. I'm coming across that she was replaced at the last minute hosting SNL in like 1976 <laughs> by Jodie Foster. <laughs> yeah. Who, who was? Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the real, I mean, Tatum O'Neill had a, had a sort of a troubled history after this, but the real, if you want to real, read the real horror story, it's Peter Bogdanovich uh, had a rough ride after this. Uh, he had, you know, three in a row early blockbusters. Last picture show, I think, which was before this which also won all the Oscars. And then this one, which was certainly obviously won Oscars. And then What's Up Doc, which I don't know if it was nominated for Oscars, but was a huge hit and, and uh, was, was an amazing movie. But then then he, well, basically, I mean, it depends on, you know, if you want to believe the stories, but he, he dealt those with his, his wife, Polly Platt. And a lot of people say that Polly Platt was actually kind of the secret reason that these things kind of the alchemy worked because then he... Did a movie with Sybil Shepard and fell in love with her and divorced his wife and then was doing movies with Sybil Shepard, which were not as well received at Long Last Love, which is a famous stinker and uh, Nickelodeon, where he tried to kind of recapture this vibe with Ryan O'Neill and other people. And that didn't work out. And then I uh, just kind of kept going. And then there was the whole Dorothy Stratton thing. And if you don't know the Dorothy Stratton history, it's horrifying and would be enough to mess anybody up. It's it's. What's the story? Not quite as horrifying as, you know, what happened to Roman Polanski's wife and how that could mess a person okay, up, but it's close. Say. It's fucking close. If you don't know the Dorothy Stratton story, it was a, you know, if you, you were too young in the 80s to know about Dorothy Stratton, but wow, you want to look up a, just a messed up Hollywood story. It's on story. the wiki. The wiki, his yeah. wiki is kind of funny just by itself because he has a section called Three Hits and then immediately there's a section called Three Flops Yeah, and then Dorothy Stratton and, then Dorothy Stratton, so. and they all laughed. And it, yeah. the, just the one sentence is uh, Bogdanovich's next film was the romantic comedy They All Laughed, which starred Dorothy Stratton, a former model who began a romantic relationship with Bogdanovich. Stratton was murdered by her husband. Bogdanovich took over distribution of the film himself. Yeah. And that's, there's, there's a lot in that one sentence. <laughs> yeah. And it was made, two movies were made about that story. One was Star 80 that Bob Fosse made, and another one was uh, something else. There was two movies made about that because it was such a god-awful, horrible story. But... So that would be enough to, you know, three hits, three flops, and then that happening to you would be enough to... Make you just go and he live had, on an island somewhere. And he had to distribute the film himself, which put him into bankruptcy. Yeah. So just, you know, it's a rise and fall story. But he's, you know, now he's sort of Whoa. back a little bit. You know, so like, like very similar to Friedkin, who kind of 
you know, scored big early on with Exorcist and a few other things. Yeah, are you reading the Dorothy Stratton story? I'm reading the, yeah. la- the last little bit here. Yeah, you know. In 1988, the 49-year-old Bogdanovich married 20-year-old Louise Stratton, Dorothy's younger sister, whom he had begun dating when she was only 14, two years after her sister's death. Yeah. But they were married for like 15 years. Yeah. But God, Hollywood people he are dated, fucked up. <laughs> he was dating a girl <laughs> well, who got murdered by her husband, and then he started dating her younger sister. When she was 14. That's crazy. Weird. That was the 70s. <laughs> yeah. When, 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 your, when your significant other gets murdered horribly and publicly, see how you react. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, no judgment. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a rough one. So it's, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's really, I don't think anyone deserved any of that. Anyone yeah. involved in that, in that saga <laughs> deserved any of what, what happened. It was just a totally messed up thing. So anyway, Madeline Kahn, another great, uh, amazing another scene. One or and uh, Mickey I'm, the Mouse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, son of a bitch, yeah. <laughs> she is hysterical, she's just amazing. Riding the line between, again, the the she's playing two characters simultaneously. Yeah. She's playing the the real character that lets her guard down in a minute here, and then this trying to be very sweet and, and proper Miss Trixie. Yeah, that's all. I guess, you know, I guess thematically you could say this, you know, she's part of the theme of, you know, scamming, not, you know, not being, yeah, presenting yourself differently than, than uh, she's got her own scam that she does. And it's this. And it's interesting. Her, her particular scam is interesting because it's like everybody, everybody involved here knows there's a scam running yeah. and nobody cares because like what she's saying, it's like, we're all kind of using each other here. <laughs> yeah. That's, let's just do that for a little while. Yeah. And then, it, and then the scam will go bust like yeah. it always does, and then we'll all move on. It works as long as we just don't acknowledge that we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's all fine. And it's funny how, how Ryan O'Neill is the one who doesn't see the scam. He's the one yeah. who's totally was, taken in by it. Mm, yeah. Orson Welles gave them the advice, which is standard advice for movies in the 30s, um, is since you're shooting black and white, you can get different looks because the world outside of the camera is not black and white. It's in color, and it will hit the lens in a certain way because it's color until the film. If you shoot through a red filter, you kind of pop everything's contrast a little bit. It makes skin tones really kind of bright and, and smooth, and it you know, makes anything that's not... It's basically like using the red channel, limitedly, but it's like that. And to this day, that's a really great trick when you're doing black and white footage or or doing anything that's supposed to be in black and white is don't just desaturate it pick a channel Uh, and red is typically the it's typically the prettiest for people and it also gives the sky this really sort of dark indie filter look that's just a matter of there's not much red in the blue sky and the other thing so it doesn't really catch much light yeah i mean look at the look at the shot of her it's like you know she's glowing like like a star but the sky is almost you know is almost black out there it's very interesting you can also you know fortunate uh, for us in the digital realm you can really crank and pull different hues and colors in different ways before it hits the black and white to like you don't have to just have one channel you can tweak it around and if you look at it it looks like this technicolor nightmare but once you put it on black and white it's like you have incredible amounts of control over various aspects of your your image in black and white that way yes and don't use the blue channel for fucking anything yeah (laughs) no For key Unless you want to do an incredibly, like, contrasty sort of detail skin look. Like, sometimes you'll see black and white photos of, like, a really old guy, and he's got, like, the map of the world written on his face, and it's this incredibly crisp picture, and his skin just has so much detail to it. Those are blue. Those are blue channel. 
shots because the skin like the natural glow is sort of taken out and you just see the like imperfections in your skin it's one of the it's similar to the reason why under fluorescent lights your skin looks horrifying <laughs> well, I don't know about your skin. My skin looks fabulous on the forest line. I don't have any hat boxes. Plus, you could use them to carry snare drums. Like, those boxes are at least two purposed. I got to get some hat boxes. I think millinery in general yeah. has, has gone kind of, of kind of kind of gone away. <laughs> Go to the millinery store. We are really, de- we are really driving up a hill, we swear. <laughs> <laughs> this shot directed by Kenneth Browner. <laughs> You know, it's funny. It had never occurred to me that there was a an unfortunate correlation between periods in which people would wear hats in cars and periods where cars rarely had roofs. <laughs> I know. How do they make that work exactly? Now we have roofs on all of our cars and we never wear hats in the car. Or have like driving gloves. I want driving gloves. Just something like I pull on like, okay, let's go. But then the, the etiquette always was if you had a roof over your head, you weren't wearing a hat. Yeah. Yes. It's but, like yeah, designed for <laughs> nothing but hat malfunctions. Yeah. The system can't work. The 30s were littered with just hats, like, like by the roadway. Like, now you see, That's like, what the Great Depression yeah. was. It was all that lost money. There was from on the side of the road, hats. it just looked like the opening shot of the prestige. Just Steve, Steve Jobs' dad made the family fortune originally by collecting hats along uh, roadsides. <laughs> he, he was a, just a used hat salesman. Few people uh, know that, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's how J.P. Morgan got to start. Yeah. Picking up hats on the you side of the road. Up. Now, this guy, this guy here is still working, I believe, more or less to this day. This is, I think, his first movie. He went on to be in Blazing Saddles, weirdly enough. He's like, the Camp Town Ladies. But uh, this is, I believe, his first film. Burton Gilliam? Burton Gilliam. Yeah, he's still working. He 75. On, yeah, he went on to be one of those, you know, just sort of Texas kind of kind of Western guys. He's in, If you're doing a Western and he's in it. It's his third movie, it looks <laughs> like. He was uncredited in Beach Blanket Bingo. Oh, okay. Well, then there you <laughs> and go. And apparently he was in Gator. <laughs> was, was he playing oh, with Captain Gator? Geach in the Shrimp Shack Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he was, perhaps it's for a speaking role then. Perhaps that's what's going and on And he was in Blazing Saddles and then Fletch and then Back to the Future 3. Mm. He is in yes, Back to the Future 3. Yes, he is in Back to the Future 3. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He's, he? the, uh, he's the, the guy selling guns, isn't he? <gasps> oh, yeah. Colt Pacemaker. Yeah, Colt Pacemaker. Yep. That's Where'd him. you learn to shoot like that? Yep. That's 7-Eleven. <laughs> and... He was also in Soccer Dog, the movie. Nice. <laughs> Which, who wasn't, you know? I mean, that was... That was... Oh, there was a... There was a that movie's did, perfect for a the A star-studded cavalcade, that one. Did they get him for uh, Soccer Dog, the TV show? With Jodie Foster? <laughs> Couldn't it. make a deal. Uh, Couldn't make a, a deal, I don't think. It's probably why the shit didn't take off. This move here where she actually, like, licks the cigarette out. I'm like, wow, that's freaky. I didn't know. What did she do? She she puts the cigarette out by by flicking the ash off and then licking her finger and putting out the last little fire. It's like that's very you know she's obviously saving cigarettes you know which is great but it's like wow I never my whole life I never knew that trick. Oh what a weirdo <laughs> little factoid about Burton Gilliam. He was apparently you know citation needed the first man ever to fart in a Hollywood motion picture. <laughs> is, he blazing, first, is he the blazing, first fart in Blazing Saddles? In blazing Saddles. Okay, well there you go. Okay, that's hey. that's. A feather in his cap. Yeah. yeah which is blown off in his... <laughs> yeah. Which is by the side of the road now. I hope they include that in his in memoriam piece when the time comes. <laughs> Carve that on your tombstone. Oh my gosh, yes. That the sequence... Like, sometimes they just show the face and like, in slow motion, whatever, but sometimes they'll actually show the clip. The clip, yeah. Please show the farting clip. <laughs> yeah. Do the farting clip. When he dies in the in memoriam, that would be so great. I love... I love Addy's little, like, secondary heist right here with Imogene. It is. It's quite. It's it's the most elaborate one in the whole movie, <laughs> pretty much. 
And it's it's interesting because it's not it's not done like in Ocean's Eleven where it's like you see them trying to do it and then things are going wrong and stuff like that. It's like, okay, I'm gonna get him to I have a really crazy idea. And you're gonna do this. And they're like, Okay, did you do it? Yes. And then he (laughs) he comes marching downstairs, we're leaving. Yeah. It does go awry when when Mose is leaving the hotel and it's like, Oh wait, you know, but Mose has to find him in the room, otherwise it's all been for nothing. But uh so there's a small complication, but yeah, otherwise it pretty much just it's it's ridiculously easy in the, yeah. in retrospect. It's like the it's like the writers came in and just went, you know, we're gonna get stuck with Trixie in this hotel unless we just get out of here. It's like yeah. uh, she hooks her up with the the butler or whatever, <laughs> Bellman. And unless Trixie's paying attention to you, she is not fun to be around. No. You say that as if you have some personal experience in the matter. <laughs> no, it's just she's kind of borderline annoying the entire time and her only saving grace is how awesome the performance is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her right. character is kind of annoying now this guy he went on to kill a bunch of people no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no he, that's how he got the role he killed a bunch of people yeah. <laughs> he just had to kill a lot of people <laughs> it is the guy from back to the future yeah cult pacemaker cult pacemaker the funny thing is like I would never have thought about that or that scene or made that connection. But as soon as you said it, I'm like, bing, there he yeah. is in my head. That whole scene. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, little, the slow lollipop. Yes. Leg. Oh, interesting. He is so creepy, though. It's the mustache. He is. He's got it that. is because it's not it's not like he's like back hair. But but it's interesting because it's designed that way, but it's not like he's actually creeping on this other character. It's not like he's going, oh, can you get me in with her and blah, blah, blah. She's coming down and going, yeah. she really likes you. And he's like, really? Well, I probably shouldn't because, no, she really likes you, though. You, you really should. <laughs> yeah. She wants that D in the BH. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that other, that other guy, he's, he's not even, no, they're not together. No. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, all right. Well, now you're just hooking me up. That's fine. Yeah. It's the teeth. It's the teeth and the mustache. Like he's got like six teeth in a row that are all yeah. the same. Z Actually, points. he looks just like the guy from the artist. Is what he looks like. John oh, Dujardin. Yeah. Or yeah. No, it's just. But his his fir- the six teeth on top there in the front are all in the same Z depth. Like <laughs> they go straight across his face and like then a, back. Literally, like a get up in his grill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he has a Studebaker grill. Yeah. <laughs> She likes men's that prints. <laughs> That's the most amazing part. Is that that part of the scam comes off? <laughs> Just, he writes the, like a five year old. Well, see, once you get him hooked, then then that's when you start selling the weird part. Like oh, <laughs> yeah. one thing though, you do have to have a kitten on your head while you do this. <laughs> oh, okay, sounds legit. Sure, why not? If it's for a million dollars, yeah. Some people juggle geese. <laughs> yeah. That always struck me as a very like Hitchhiker's Guidey detail in Firefly. I went to one planet where the the primary <laughs> yeah. f- moment like of that would be guide. is juggling goslings. I want the juggle. I want the geese juggling planet. Where is that one? Right. The geese juggling planet is I've, found in the Alpha Centauri system. I feel like we would have seen that in season two. <laughs> the accident they would have gone. They would have gone to the. There would have been an accident. We would have seen the, the geese juggling. An accident at the geese, the, the geese juggling circus. I feel like it wouldn't have been a thing. It would have been just episode six of season two. They're walking through. <laughs> Someone some, in the background some, is just, yeah, juggling, some, geese. just go, juggling some geese. <laughs> Nobody acknowledges it. It's just something that happens. Well, Steve, Steve Johnson. Uh, Steve Johnson. No, Steve uh, Martin. I just saw Steve Johnson the other day at Monster Palooza. That's why. But Steve, Steve Martin used to uh, had a routine about cat juggling. 
that I think is in The Jerk, I believe they finally paid that off. One of his movies. He used to stand up, talked about there's a, there's a scourge in America today, and I'm you know, and of course I'm talking about cat juggling, and you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's, it's it's cruel to the little kittens. And then there was a scene in one of his movies, I think it was The Jerk, where he actually she actually showed the cat juggling. <laughs> That's one of those things where you distract the guy from the ASPCA for a second. Roll, go. Brian, how come you don't wear a polka dot tie all the time? Like over t-shirts and shit. I am now (laughs) going to. Mine's in my Cremo cigar box. Yeah, cigar boxes aren't really a thing anymore either. Unless you go to the cigar store, you can still get them there. I have a cigar box actually, but it still has cigars in it. I have an Empire (laughs) Strikes Back lunchbox. Is that the same thing? Pretty much. Kind of. In a rectangular sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> in that the they're both in the geometric they're, form. In these that they're in both in the box line. Yes. <laughs> they're the, both in the of the box variety of items. Yes. That they both have box in their name. Imogene is a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I like her. The, the, yeah, the one thing that makes me sad about this is that then Imogene is out of the Yeah, Imogene just yeah. leaves the movie, yeah. It's weirdly episodic. This and then there's the bootlegger episode that follows. Oh yeah. I yeah, forgot about right. that entire you're sequence. Right. Yeah, and it's 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 sort of it's the movie loses just a touch of steam because it kind of kind of becomes a little too episodic and there's especially there's a weird thing when they start with the bootlegger scene where they talk about how it's they allude to the fact that it's been several months. It was like, what have you been doing for several months, you you two? You know, it's like, they're like now we're going to take you to your aunts. Yeah, after that episode, they're like, now we're going to take you to your aunts. It's like, well, you could have gone to the aunts a lot in the past two months. <laughs> you know, Kansas isn't that big, even even in a in a '30s car. So it, it's a little it's a little weird that they sort of like just settled into being these scamsters who roam the Midwest, and then finally one goes wrong. You know, something that just occurred to me. She looks kind of like Anakin. A little bit. <laughs> she looks kind of like she little Jake Lloyd. Anakin. Yeah. Especially when she made that grimace face a second ago. I think Anakin made that exact same Yee. face when his pod racer was pod, breaking. Yeah, yeah pretty true. much. He's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just give us a face. Any face. Make a face. Yep, that was a face. Okay, good. Okay. Got it. What <laughs> happens when something goes wrong? I go like, yeah. <laughs> if there was going to be a Paper Moon show again, I would have it just be Tatum and... Uh, no, still, yeah. <laughs> no, I would have it. I was thinking you were going to say have it be Tatum, Tatum and Ryan. Like now, like it's still it's nineteen, <laughs> it's like nineteen eighty four, and they're still driving around. Like God damn it, you're, you're, I'm going to sell some you Bibles. Owe, you still owe me two hundred dollars. Yeah, that's right. We're going to make good someday. And I swear. T- and Addie has lung cancer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she's, she's, and Moe's has every social disease known to man. <laughs> Been telling you to get that VD straightened out since nineteen. She sounds like Kathleen Turner now. Yeah, Mose, Mose. I'll do whatever you want. I am too a girl. <laughs> Swear to me, <laughs> I can't do the phone scams anymore. They don't think I'm a girl. I love their. She still got a bow in her hair. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me make that face. Like, no, that's a good skit idea. Like they're still trying to pull the same con when she's like forty-five, <laughs> where she just starts crying. You yeah. did give me a twenty. Yeah, that's for my you aunt. Did give me a twenty. You gave me a twenty. I suppose it would work. You could play an elderly. It would work as an elderly person. You'd be like, "You're trying to confuse me." <laughs> of course, the darker sequel would just be that. Ryan O'Neill has just been going around finding different little girls to do this with for the last 50 years. <laughs> it's Ryan O'Neill with like eight women. Yeah, they're all my daughters. Of varying ages. Like they look like the like a little like the the 
signal strength icon yeah. just walking around behind him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got four bars there, Ryan. Looking good. So that was the one complication. He almost left the hotel. But look at this place. Look at this building. Look this, at that this, necktie. This building's incredible with the staircase and everything else. She, I, I also like that there's... She's kind of artless in this whole thing. She's yeah. like, just go up there. Don't even knock. Use the key. Not <laughs> yeah. just cause. Just go. Just, just you better do it. You bet. You better had is all. Should go I, go get that done. At some point, I'm gonna have to like, sort of reconcile all my various Alvin Sargent opinions. Because <laughs> if you don't recall from our Spider-Man commentaries, Alvin Sargent, who was I think like 78 at the time of Spider-Man, wrote Spider-Man and then Spider-Man Two and I think Spider-Man Three, or at least was a co-writer on him and those movies all have like the worst i don't understand how kids talk dialogue i've ever heard in my life well that's because he's still writing like he wrote a 1930s movie. oh yeah i know yeah you got locked into depression era (laughs) spinsters i really dislike those movies alvin and then this is awesome alvin and i'm gonna see what else he's done maybe maybe he's a i gotta see which side it falls on here i think he might have had a uh i think he's heyday earlier yeah i think he's pretty well uh the name i recognize i didn't even associate him with with spider-man that's weird that he wrote spider-man yes it is and he's still imaging still alive he's currently 85 (laughs) he has been working since 1956 yeah oh her sad wave he wrote spider-man spider-man 2 spider-man 3 and the amazing spider-man also unfaithful uh, I thought Amazing okay. Spider-Man comparatively was fine. So ordinary people, ordinary people. Wow. Okay, that's the, That's born. where I know the name from. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, this is back. He when also we... wrote the effect of gamma rays on, on Man, in, Man the in the Moon marigolds. marigolds. You've heard the, of that? Yes, of course I have. That's a it's a seventies movie that you don't have to see. Oh, <laughs> all right. It's fine. You're written. Not. Uh, it's based dire- on a, it's based on a play. Actually, directed and produced by Paul Newman. Yeah. And well, starring Joanne Woodward. That's mm-hmm. the that title is hilarious. The effect of gamma rays on the man in the moon marigolds. It sounds yeah. like a West and Anderson. It's a drama. I th- yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. See, that was before you. That was before you changed the title of things. Like sexual perversity in Chicago did not uh, fly under that name as when they turned it into a movie. Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Yes. Yeah, that was when you could have long titles like that. Now they find a way to reduce it to Inception. two words at the most. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now we've. She says, she says here in a moment, like we've been, you know, for a couple of months or a couple of weeks, we've been doing nothing but blah, blah, blah. So it's like they've been, there was like a gap there of like a couple of months, mm. which is like, <laughs> what have you been doing for a couple of months, you guys? I love Roger Ebert so much. Roger Ebert of the show, on, on the subject of the effective gamma rays on the man in the moon miracles. Robert Ebert said, the film is hard edged enough to be less depressing than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the first thing that Vincent Carby of the New York Times said about it was, the effect of gamma rays, etc., is not a stupid film. <laughs> Just despite so you know. the, despite the title, this is a weird thing where John Hillerman plays his own brother. This is interesting casting. We treat you how you treat you. Yes. Magnum. I think one of the major upshots of having a, a daughter would be that you can do cons with her. Like I think that's one of the major scams. It's one of the selling points. It's, that's, like, it's like a perk. He loves that. That's, yeah. that's why he's so into. That's why. That's, that's, why, that's, why, that's why, why he's around. That's why he's yeah. keeping her. Yeah. Mike, when Scarlet gets a little bit older, you've got to become like a, a weird crime committing team. <laughs> Not a crime fighting team. No, but a, a criminal team. Yeah, a criminal team. I want to make movies with her because she's hysterical and she's really smart. And the best part is she likes uh, she likes kind of the Halloween horror type stuff. She thinks it's amazing. Like you could, you could put. She's a, like three. Well, she's she's almost five now. But even when she was three, it was like 
the things you would think would scare a child. Not like she would go out. She's just maddeningly delighted by she's, them. <laughs> she thinks they're awesome. She loves like zombies and stuff like that. And uh, one year she went as for Halloween. She went as Little Red Riding Hood. And her dad, who was escorting her, was the big bad wolf. And he was one of those, like, terrifying werewolf masks and, like, the torn up clothes and stuff like that. And it's like, that mask scares me. I don't know how she's not scared of that mask. Well, Pat Oswald has that story that he does. It's, it's one of his new, it's one of his, his latest thing where he talks about how he, he has a young daughter and he was flipping channels and he accidentally passed by Benicio del Toro as the wolf man. Like, right. ah! He's like, oh, God, I've scarred her for life. Oh, no. You know, put on the Disney thing or whatever. And late that night, his daughter was, like, laughing to herself and he's like what's so funny and she goes the doggy was wearing a shirt <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, it's you know she loved like the nightmare before christmas and stuff when she could barely talk well that's and, good uh, but there you go. so so it's like that i want to make proper incorrect i want to yes. make a movie with her where she's she's almost too old for it to be as cute as it could be but still pretty cute <laughs> whereas like where there's like these like creature effects like monsters running around she's just totally yeah it's just whatever care. She's she's you know well she should have like an older like an older sibling who is absolutely bug fuck terrified of everything <laughs> yeah and then I, she's just like hey, I waving. wanted to I wanted to do a short where it's like she plays with the monster under the bed like, oh, there you go yeah. the monster under the bed there's a monster under the bed I know he's his name is Steve yeah he's my friend <laughs> and he but it's actually a horrifying monster well that's the whole like a Lovecraft thing. there's yeah. that whole argument about you know people like even this movie but more so The Exorcist and Taxi Driver people are like oh it's so horrifying that you exposed a young girl to this you know thing it's like yeah. she wasn't watching the movie she wasn't <laughs> yeah. even in the movie yeah. she was on the set like scary things happened after you know two hours of setup and everyone doing a bunch of rehearsals like yeah. there's no there wasn't like surprises and shocks like in the, the movie like the kid doesn't know that we're playing here it's like you know if you did like that the horrifying like yeah we actually told him his dog was dead well okay that's one thing <laughs> yeah but you know the uh, to cry like the yeah. like the like the kid from uh the kid from close encounters where it's like i'm wearing a halloween mask and i'm wearing a clown mask and you know, so he may look scared and it's happy like okay well he's like three what do you want from him for heaven's sake but i don't think he i don't think he was scarred for life by being in that movie either no he thought you you know you hear him talk about it now and it's like that was he he talks about he's like first of all i love the experience second of all that was totally the smartest thing they could have done (laughs) yeah to get that performance like yeah like i could have acted that like i could perform it yeah i think people don't tend to think about the fact that movies are the most fake where they are being made yeah Yeah. like movies are completely in that in that little center where all the lights and pointing at you and all the crew standing right behind the lights the fakeness is most apparent and in the eye of that little vortex the very few experiences i've had with it i'll tell you there is nothing unsexier than shooting a sex scene wow there's nothing that will that will kill your kill your desire for months on end afterwards (laughs) than shooting a sex scene there's nothing there's nothing awful, more awful than that as far as like I never want to do this again in my life. I mean you can still you can still manage to put things together where it's like, you know, they talk about on Jurassic Park. It's like you've got that T Rex flailing around. I mean, you know there's twenty people running it, but you don't care. That is scary. You yeah. know? Oh so, if, I, if, yeah, if, I, I will if, say that's an exception because yeah. that, that was a genuinely twenty foot or yeah. thirty yeah. And if you tall. know the people, I would have been scared too. <laughs> like, holy shit, Winston built this? Oh fuck. <laughs> you had one job, Phil. <laughs> and I mean some of those those shots are real. They're actually under a, a piece of plate glass with a giant, yeah. you know, thirty foot tall T Rex hydraulic above them. 
I've, my experience with big animatronics is yeah they'll 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 go crazy and kill you they'll just mm-hmm. they'll just get a wild a wild signal and they'll just like ah I'm gonna kill you now crush but that's kind of different that's kind of a different thing than yeah it's a different fear yes maybe more legitimate, <laughs> that's a legitimate fear. you can have a legitimate fear. fear of a giant animatronic T Rex because you should. <laughs> <laughs> That's a healthy fear. <laughs> when uh, when my friends were installing the Ghostbusters attraction at Universal, when I was doing the the Hanna Barbera ride right next door, I mean that thing that was a death trap. That that, that attraction, the Ghostbusters one. Yeah, wow! It was it just every day was just horror stories. What was the Ghostbusters attraction for the audience or the performers? For the guys installing it, for oh. bu- and building it, because the way that worked, it was a giant Pepper's Ghost illusion, where eh? I, I think they, I think. I guess the whole thing's been... It became it's, Twister. It's long gone, it became yeah. Twister later, and that's gone now, too, I think, and now it's something else. But, oh, I remember Twister. I, was on tw- I did Twister. But the original, it was Big Pepper's Ghost, which is what they do at the Haunted Mansion, where it's it's 45 degrees slant. You know, it's a it's a mirror trick, where it's 45 degree mirror. Oh, and, where and you put someone in the mirror with you, and you reflect. Exactly. Speaking of endangered Look at this, she children, almost like goes way. right off this thing, like, yeah, Whoa. shoot! Like, I, I hope that was like, you know, okay... Well, at least we didn't kill her, and that's totally going in the movie because that yeah. was amazing. <laughs> but what's the thing called? Pepper's Ghost. Pepper's oh, Ghost yes. is what it's called, and, oh, cool. and it's where it's where you you I didn't know it had a name. Where the thing is, most times it's actually behind you, and you're looking at it through a slanted piece of glass, and so it's like lit up above you, but you don't see it because it's you know hidden away above you. But then the glass the glass bounces. You're looking at yourself in the mirror, and right. so. It was this giant where they had the whole this they had this whole bullshit scam where they were like this is the set from Ghostbusters which is like that wasn't even a Universal movie yeah. what are you even talking about and you, you were in a theater and there was this the biggest panes of glass you ever saw this monstrous you know big thing and a tour guide was supposedly telling you all about the yada 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 similar and, to a backdraft they did the exactly same and all these gigantic ghost spirits start to appear on the set and it was a Pepper's Ghost and there were these massive like you know ten and twenty foot tall animatronics that were actually up over your head as the audience and so they would they would light up and that would look like it was they were down in the set because of the glass would reflect them so the thing was that there were so many of these gigantic ghosts that they all had to not only do all their stuff like there was a guy with a hammer like you know he's called killer jack or something like that this guy with this giant mallet they were like and and but they would not only just have to light up and do their thing but then they would have to like fold away to make move to make room for the next one to to be in. so there was a whole dance of them sliding around to get out of each other's way when they'd done their thing and they would just go every day just when they were programming it and installing it it would just go horribly wrong and, oh yeah killer jack took a swing at the ghost next to him and <laughs> we're, we're gonna be a week behind because he was like a full-on hydraulic 20-foot monster just hammered the monster <laughs> next to him clang like oh damn it that he really hates that guy. Yeah, that explains why it was always close. Plus, there was a massive, massive laser that actually um, punched. Uh, it actually punched a hole through a friend's jacket when there was an accidental, oh an accidental leak, and it actually burned a hole right through his jacket. Holy he, shit. he came out of the laser room and was like, "Oh." Looks like there's a leak because he hit this hole through <laughs> oh, his jacket. God. I didn't realize there were rides where laser containment could be a problem. Yeah, well, Ghostbusters. Yeah, if, man. if, if, if any, tear your head be, off, man. <laughs> it's gonna be Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was nuts. Speaking of endangering so anyway, children, yeah, now they're now they're going to be caught, and it's it's very much as you were saying, it's episodic. So we did the the bootlegger, and now we're going to do the running with the law episode. Right, yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah. but this is related to the bootlegger. It, I mean, yeah, there is this is the bootlegger episode. The one does precipitate the other, but it's still even so. It's you know it seems to like be the next episode of it's it. true because it's kind of like the bootlegger was the cliffhanger you know tune in next week when they, <laughs> yeah. they're running with the law yeah 
They do everything. They have the car chase. They do everything but hang off a cliff in this. Oh my gosh, that car chase. There's there's that amazing shot in the car chase where they come down the road and like whip yeah, around, exactly. and turn around and go back the other way and the camera's just like in the middle of the road going in <laughs> yeah, a circle. Don't hit me, okay? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this guy. This is the creepiest guy in the movie. He's like, yeah. ah, that's funny. There's nothing there's, there's a certain special kind of Yeah, I'm not scared of monsters, but I am scared of corrupt southern sheriffs because yeah. wow. They can do just about anything. Mississippi burning. Yep. Plus, they're always sweaty. <laughs> or, or maybe just particularly reflective. Like, it could also they're be shiny. They, you have to be shiny. To they could just be part, part, part chrome. Yeah, they like shiny things down there. So, I'm like, oh, that's Sheriff Shiny. <laughs> mm. Sheriff Shiny here. Hmm. What'd you say, Sheriff Shiny? I'm trying to figure out if we were going to do this movie again right now, who I would cast for him. There's a bunch of actors could pull it off, but who is like perfect for Ryan O'Neill's part? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it it almost have to be Bradley Cooper. It no, would be Bradley no, Cooper. it would it, be, it would Bradley be Bradley but it shouldn't it be Bradley Cooper. It's yeah. always Bradley Cooper. It could, yeah, I agree with that. I think he honestly, could like, be. I would love to see Louis C.K. do it. Oh my! <laughs> oh, God. Huh? yes, I could oh, see hello. Louis C.K. pulling it off. To be oh, honest, yeah, that would be something. Look, you're not really my daughter, all right? That's just the, how it is. The way he <laughs> listen, the, I hate you and you're born. I love yeah, you, but yeah, I want to kill you. Yeah. The way he the way he talks to his daughter in the in his show is yeah. exactly yeah. the yeah. type. He's like the like some of the more the more tired, resigned, like like look, just eat your Coney Island, all right? Jesus yeah. Christ. Just it's you're not my daughter. We're taking you to your aunt's house and that's the end of it, all right? Of course the problem would really be finding that girl. Yeah. Well, his daughter would probably be about the right age. Yeah. <laughs> One of his daughters would be good. Not only does he not use his daughters in his show, uh, he was telling a funny story once on, I think I think it was on Opie and Anthony, how like at one point, one of the little girls that was playing his daughters on the, the current show, the effects show, uh, was like being annoying or something like a diva or just difficult. And he just like recast the daughter. Like they're different kids. <laughs> <laughs> they're, diff- they're different yeah. kids now. It's make believe. Like, like not even like adjusting for age. Just like, no, we just randomly changed them. And he was like, I was so sure we were going to get like someone from FX being like, you can't do that. No one ever noticed. Literally, <laughs> at, at the time he was telling the story, he's like, no one has ever mentioned this, that there's just <laughs> different people for my kids now. <laughs> so, you see what I mean? Nobody cares about the kids. <laughs> Won't someone please think Thinking about the children? The children. Yeah. No, no one is actually thinking about the children. That's the point. Hitler killed six million Jews and one clown. Why a Why clown? clown? See? see, I told you nobody <laughs> would care about the Jews. <laughs> But um, bum. <laughs> just picture the scene where the clown is being executed, yeah. <laughs> and it was just, and that's like, messed up. Yeah, and the clown's like, "Why are you doing this?" <laughs> to make a point. I'm imagining it would be. Uh, I'm imagining it would be a hobo clown too. It would have to be a hobo. Clown. Oh, a saddle hobo clown. Yeah, he wouldn't even say why you're doing this. He would just honk his horn. Yeah, it was slide whistle. This this conversation took a very strange turn. Anyway, paper moon. Speaking, speaking, of, of, speaking of the 30s and Hitler. Yeah. Speaking there's of Nazis, a, there's yeah. uh, FDR in the, the background. The 30s, yeah, with FDR. We should have pictures of our president just on the wall more often now. Like we don't It's do not that a thing anymore. so much anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to do that with pictures of like Mao and Kim Jong Il and <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I'm going to take other leaders. Um do you mean like in people's houses or like office buildings? Well, yeah, it's 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 a recurring motif here, but it was a thing at the time in the 30s because FDR was president for like 50 fucking years. <laughs> uh, well, 16. Um, Not he, quite 16. Uh, yeah, like 13, I think. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten about that. How did that work? Uh, there was no whatever amendment, whatever amendment is. Yeah. 
Uh, it's, it's 17th? Uh, yeah, no. something like that. It was because of Roosevelt. Like, well, yeah. let's not have that again. Yeah, because so that like was a, a terrible thing. Unofficial tradition because Washington, yeah. uh, he was president and then he did a second term. But then he, he said, you know what? No, two is good enough. And so it was just kind of an unofficial tradition through the rest of history up to uh, FDR that no other president ever ran for two terms. And then FDR came along and did four or three and a half. Um, or like ten, we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> books have books. <laughs> records no from that era. There are no books about this. Yeah, it was it was all the records are lost. Records from that era are sketchy at best. Uh, but yeah, he did. You know, he was elected to four terms, uh, and then afterwards, we actually passed a constitutional amendment saying, "Nope, presidents can only have two. It's also really weird if you ever look at. It like, worked out okay with him, but let's not take the chance. Yeah, yeah. The, re- the requirements and the criteria. Someday for there's going to be a guy named Bush for being <laughs> yeah. president. Like. They, they they make very few like actual stipulations like all right you know you can you can be racist you can be a woman you can be a dog we don't care as long as the dog was born here but you have to be 35 or older like yeah. if you're 34 wait got to hold off like they just pick 35 there's there's only like three thingies i think or the, the original institution of that was that there's only yeah. it has to be this it has to be that natural think, born like, citizen like land owning i think and, and then 35 yeah. it's so 1700s yeah you have to be 30 to be in Congress, right? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. You just have to have a pulse. And sometimes not even then. Yeah, 30 or older. But the, it's the yeah. it's the top end that a lot of people go, well, there should be a high end cutoff on that one. Yeah. Hmm. Or like that proposal for like, you know, once you reach a certain age, you have to have to retake your driver's test every year. Yeah, that would like actually that. be really interesting. I wonder if that might even be a better system entirely. If like to be in Congress, you have to be between the ages of 40 and 50. Like you have to be 40 before you can get in. But you don't get to be around until you're like 90 either. You get 10 years. That means everyone gets phased out. It sort of keeps it refreshing and you don't get old weird blood and, and shit like that going on. Maybe between 50 and 60 would be better. But something like that. Where only 10 years possible. And then not even everyone would always get the whole 10 years. Nothing, huh? Okay, no one cares. <laughs> I thought it was an interesting little it's, it's, thing. It's, it's been well, discussed. It's been debated. There's, there's, there's two sides to the to the issue. And you know, I don't on know the if one hand, it's necessarily automatically right. It, it limits your your terms, like inherently. And then on the other hand, it it assures a certain sort of balance of perspective, where you're not a total young Turk with you know beards and little red cookbooks, but you're also not the old guy who, goddamn it, die already, <laughs> you ninety five year old piece of shit. You just have that like perfect representation between the two spectrums of age in the United States and all that. I don't know. There is, um, I might be pulling this from a science fiction book, actually. Now that I think about <laughs> it, <Hooray! laughs> but isn't there some, uh, system somewhere where it's, you know, serving in the national assembly is basically akin to jury duty. Like it's a rotating lottery sort of a thing. I think it ought to be, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think compulsory actually... military service in places, but, yeah. Um, yeah. in Israel and Heinlein novels. Oh, I love this <laughs> this little yeah. This, here. <laughs> Not going back to the movie. Run. That, that was your yeah. whole plan. Run. Run. <laughs> you just keep thinking. That's what you're good at. Oh, I I, I love this. He's like, yeah. <laughs> she hands him the keys. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, we're doing this. <laughs> oh man, we're doing it. Now here's a really odd thing. The first time I watched this, I thought to myself, this looks almost exactly like a place that I've been before, St. Joseph, Missouri. And then a second ago, when I was looking at the IMDb. Saint Joseph, <laughs> Missouri, the goddamn yeah, yeah, was yeah. one of the one of the shooting locations, and you know they were like that was awesome. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if this is the scene because I totally randomly thought it looked like Saint Joe, and then I found out they actually shot in Saint Joe, and it would be so weird if this isn't the scene that yeah. Saint Joe. Maybe it could be. 
It's funny that it was one of these towns. I don't know. I don't know where specifically it was, but when they shot True Grit, the remake of True Grit, and they uh, had that big uh, town. It was they, Maui, I think. They just took one of these towns and they just they took out the telephone poles and they put dirt over the asphalt and ah. it became a western town from the 1880s or whatever it's supposed That'll to work. be. That'll work. Because the, you know, the, the buildings can, can be that old. Sure, that's one way to do it. But yeah, that's... that's, that's Here we go. That Here's is the whip around. Are, oh, shoot. It's like, it's... it's, it's and he, oh. look, it's them too. It's freaking yeah. them doing it. He's like doing this whole like burning yeah, rubber. Like, oh, we're going to stick... Oh, we made it. Okay, fine. Oh, perfect, perfectly timed too with the other car coming around and... Just nuts. It's like okay, the, just, okay. The camera's gonna be in the road, you guys. Yeah. So let's let's so understand. I hadn't this. even thought of that. Holy yeah. shit! It's your mark. Both both cars just skidded past the camera. Well, there. in the shot before that, when they're you know where the T intersection and the the river is right beyond right beyond. If yeah, that car totally almost went into yeah. the river. Yeah, if either of them misjudged the mark <laughs> yeah. a little bit, they were going in into the, the river. Going in there was the Missouri, I guess, would be the Missouri River, right? Uh, the Missouri, 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 the big Missouri, the wide Missouri. I'll be in the cold dead ground for I acknowledge Missouri. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's movie making. It's like one out of, you know, 99 times out of 100 times, you know, everything's fine. And then you get yourself a Sarah Jones. Yep. <laughs> or, lo- or lose one. As I wonder. Case, maybe. Yes. I wonder if I wonder if they were like uh, if they misjudged they're going into the river. It's like, well, that'll be the end. Of the <laughs> well, we'll, talk, we'll make it work. We'll figure <laughs> it out. And that'll probably be a wrap for the day. <laughs> you yeah. ever seen the Ben Hart chariot race? Let's do that. I the, haven't seen Ben Hur. I need to see Ben Hur. It's it's one of those ones you kind of need to see. The chariot race is nuts. Yeah, um, just because they you know, again just go yeah, just get all the cameras and all the stuntmen and all the horses in Hollywood and whatever happens happens. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's go. These cars are giant. I know. I made the mistake of watching. Uh, we set aside a movie day for like the uh, the you know the movies you got to see, classic movies. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what or why we would do this because <laughs> even on its face it's the wrong thing to do but we decided to do both Ben-Hur and Gone with the Wind oh wow the Jesus. Day. oh wow that was it like was, 8 hours yeah it was an exhausting That's, those are day. movies you watch when you are flying to Australia yeah, yeah. that was a, it was a super exhausting day both good films but definitely not ones to double feature with did you have Lord of the Rings running off yeah. to the side to <laughs> yeah. compare I haven't seen Gone with the Wind either Gone with the Wind's got some pretty amazing stuff in it. I feel like I've seen enough episodes of The Simpsons where I've... <laughs> yes. You pretty much have a picture I've, of what yeah, Gone with the Wind is about. pretty much have all the beats. Maybe that's why it feels like Paper Moon's Forgotten because I don't think The Simpsons has ever done it. That's probably why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. Because well, <laughs> the writers of The Simpsons didn't, yeah, happen, just to like, didn't happen to catch it. Yeah. It sort of does remind me of Harold and Maude a little bit just in terms of the massive like difference between the age and the dynamic therein. But have you guys seen Harold and Maude? I have. Well, of course, I'm, I've been promoting Harold and Maude for ages. That was Harold and Maude's a fun one. It's, it's kind of always on Netflix, so you should watch it if you haven't seen it. But it's it's amazing. It's, it's, it was that was well, like I said, as, as I've said, is it Harold and Maude pretty much defined me as a person. Everything. If, if you want to know who I am, watch Harold and Maude. That's me. Just yeah, hanging out in the bottom that, of swimming that, pools and shit. That movie just that that defined my my entire early adolescence. I was like, that was yep, okay, this is gonna be my movie. It's great. It's just this. I have you know, chosen you. Total sub, you know, or it chose me. But this is total, you know, subversive of you know. These I, old trucks just look like a telephone booth on a chassis. I know. Look at this. Isn't that amazing? Look at the thing. That. <laughs> yep. That'll happen. I love her reaction to it because I really seems like she had no idea that yeah was she's like off. this is a car she looks so pissed but the yeah. way she flailed back she's like Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah right. and they gave him this look Damn like it, you Dad. you were supposed to tell me when that yeah, kind of thing was going to happen you, and, you motherfucker I'm going to write a whole book about this later when I'm grown up after I get out of rehab I want like a little 
little girl buddy cop movie of Addie and Arya Stark running around the countryside. <laughs> 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 and Addie's the one like, Paper. you don't have to murder everyone. <laughs> yes, I do. Brian, remember that time Paper you got, Thrones. Remember that time you got <laughs> lost in the woods and you had to fight Randy Quaid and he was wearing really small overalls? <laughs> yeah, he was barefoot. Paper Thrones is another good title where it's like, paper I, don't Thrones. Even, I don't even know what that is. Just put it out the <laughs> title. Game, yeah. of, game of Moon. <laughs> yeah, Game of Paper Moons. God, Randy Quaid, why is he so scary? I don't understand what... I know. I would like not want to wrestle I really Randy think Quaid. I really think the pants have something to do with it. Yeah, it's yeah. like he grew too fast for his clothes. Like a like a werewolf yeah. that happened like he's taller, earlier. He's taller than his brothers. He's got the hand-me-downs yeah. on. Plus, he's just got that kind of creepy, like constant, constantly chewing on that. nothing at all sort of thing yeah, going on. I'm, I got to play a scene with him in Freaked. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Is he weird in person? He, no, he wasn't. He was fine. Yeah, he I, seems, I didn't get impressions. He was he was anything wrong with? I mean, he's having some strange legal problems lately, but who knows? But uh, who is your favorite Quaid? Everybody around the room, <laughs> I gotta go with Dennis. I love Dennis. I like Mildred. You don't hear much about him, <laughs> <laughs> Mildred Quaid. <laughs> I like uh, Quaid from from Total Recall. Quaid. Quaid. It, it pretty much comes down to what do you want to do? Independence Day or? The right stuff, really. Yeah. Inner space. I could go back and forth. Inner space. Fucking inner space. I got to see inner space. Again. I just worked with Bob Picardo and I got to nerd out about... Uh, you worked with Bob Picardo? Yeah, he's in this project that I just did and uh, had had a little sidebar with him after we'd sort of worked together a bit and, and said something about... He said something about how, uh, fun, pro- weird project, huh? And I was like, yeah, well... I said, I'm just, you know, just going to nerd out a little bit, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. This is cool for me to be able to work with you. And he was like, oh, okay, no, thanks. And I was like... Like, yeah, legend. And he was like, really, legend? I was like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he's, 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 he's the, the, the water witch. Right? Exactly. So yeah. I said, and I said, foul tasting fairy. And he looked at me like, that was pretty good. <laughs> and I was like, I know. And it's not like I've got the muckle bone impression, like ready to go at a moment's notice. <laughs> just in case I meet you, it just <laughs> popped out spontaneously just there. <laughs> oh, he got the truck. That was, that was kind of like a fun little anticlimactic thing the fact that for whatever reason Moe's can wrestle uh-huh. you know he can actually he's like oh this oh, I got this I got this it's like it seems like an act of desperation but he's like oh I can totally wrestle this guy I could do that and it's a it's a fun bit for her because it, ultimately she, she she's like I've been I'm, I'm the one running this show yeah. lately and finally he he comes up with something that Dad's, like she can respect dad's got some skills yeah. I didn't know he, he could actually he can handle himself Oh, here's there. Oh, there about you go. To head to St. Joseph. Yeah. Oh. Teague has walked away, but we will. Yeah. Uh, we're on our way to St. Joseph. Although I wouldn't be at all surprised, given the way that you know movies work, if that other scene was shot at the actual right. St. Joseph and <laughs> yeah, this really. one was shot somewhere else. That looked like a pretty modern guardrail that he just ran mm-hmm. past very quickly just there. I think that's not a period guardrail. Yeah. Pan, but, run fast so we can pan away. Yeah, just we won't show it very closely. And but these the, the bridges and stuff were just like. Yeah, so the, so this is the well. This is still the kind of bootleg sequence, isn't it? Because there's still we've got we got the we got the comeuppance coming on now yeah. that they and they and they. It's nice that they they sort of shorthand it. It's like you don't even see the setup. Like, okay, we're going to take this guy for big money, and okay, you know that's you don't even need to see the whole thing. Yeah, because it's not even. Important. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's like they're never going to get to this game. He's yeah. going to get his ass kicked. This movie, watching this movie, made me want to like just 
go to the Midwest where I've never really been. It's, it's I don't it's, understand it's how they're been, shooting this. I just yeah, I know. It's like wait, it's a, it's a mirror. It's like a Bob Zemeckis shot or something. <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? Bob Zemeckis is is you know. 20-year-old Bob Zemeckis is going, wait, how's this working? How are they doing <laughs> yeah. this? Yeah. I, it's just it's just off, but it's like angled in such a way that it looks like you're shooting straight in They're the in the mirror, mirror but, but they're not close enough to it to get yeah. the over to happen. So it's all through the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. Uh -huh. It's like some weird... You see how close the camera is to the mirror? It's right yeah. at the mirror. Yeah. And a very extreme angle. Is it just a really wide lens? Yeah, probably yeah. something. It's, it must be a wide lens. It yeah. looks like the mirror is straight on at us, but it's exactly. It's, 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 it's very angled. Angle, yeah. Very angled. Angle. Look at the look at the boxes so there. Yeah, where we're like forty five on the mirror. But that's oh, yeah, she's yeah, probably this, they're probably totally cheating. That when they're looking, they're probably not looking in the mirror. The the way yeah. this angle is working, because they were looking in the mirror, they'd be staring so right at the camera. They're staring at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Trey, did I just hear you say you want to visit the Midwest? Yeah, because I don't think I've ever been to it. The closest I've ever been is Cleveland, Ohio, when I was a kid. Cleveland, yeah. This is, by yeah. the way, Cleveland you, rocks. You missed it to go grab the the pizza, but this scene We're takes in place Joe in St. Joe. Yeah, but I it's was saying Hotel St. Joe, right there. I see? was saying it's entirely possible, given how movies work, that that other scene was actually in St. Joe, and this <laughs> yeah. is somewhere else standing in. But I bank as St. Joe. But I want to <laughs> I want to do that because you know I, there is. There are there are these places, these towns that you know, where they go back to you know not just the 30s, but the you know back to the 1800s. You know? Oh hell yeah! I mean, that's I, I spent a lot of time in in those places. That's why I'm so confused that you want to visit them. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to visit them. I don't want to live there. Nice place to visit, but I don't want to live there. It's like I'd really like to go visit South Jersey. Hey, yeah, really. <laughs> hey, what the? Why are you assuming I'm kidding? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty there. It's like I was just reading a book. Is that recently. the part of the state that smells? No, it's the other. Stop it. I was just reading a no, book. No, it's the other part. <laughs> Wait a second. What part of, what you part of, almost tricked what me. What part of New Jersey smells? There's a, um, I was just reading a book about, a, a, if you haven't heard about this weird story about, there was a, back in the day when they used to like kill outlaws and then display them. Like, oh, check them out. You know, pay 10 cents and look at the dead guy. Um, there was a guy um elmer mccurdy was his name who was <laughs> no, like of course that was his name. that was his name yeah i know and it was like a name you don't have anymore much less a face you don't have anymore and he was and i remember because i remember i learned this story backwards because i was around for the end of it um in like in like the early 1900s or late 1800s um he was like a very small time outlaw he tried like one scam and didn't you know rob a train and got shot and you know dumb. so he was he was displayed and then he was embalmed so they can continue to display him and then then they forgot that this, I know where the story eventually, oh, he, this one. Okay. yeah, eventually they forgot that this was a real guy and he just, it became like a sideshow attraction of a dummy of a corpse. Yeah, and we, then we have a mannequin hanging up there. Exactly. It ended up in a sideshow down in like Venice, California. And when they were shooting an episode of Six Million Dollar Man, they were moving him and his arm came off and there were bones inside. And they said, what the hell? And it turned out that he was this dead guy from a century ago. Who'd, and so there's a whole book about how the hell did that happen? And, you know, who had him and what, what evidence is there about it? And anyway, but one of the things about it is they talked about his exploits back when he was an actual bank robber. They said, yeah, he, one bank he robbed by just breaking a hole through the wall in the in the it was a brick building and he just broke through the bricks and 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 then and here it is because the building is still there the building is still standing in that small town and they're Does like still have a hole in it it's well the hole is fixed but ah. you can see the repair in the brick and they're like right here is where he did it so just the fact that these these things still still stand I mean look at that building behind her right now that's an ancient building there's with a lot lots of I mean there's a lot of it. places I lived in Harrison Arkansas for a while and Harrison has a one of those historic downtown things that isn't historic to anybody but the people who live there, really. Yeah. But it's... Damn it, he looks so fucked up. 
Um, yeah. And it's it's got a it looks exactly like this. These are all buildings from like the 1850s to maybe maybe 1900 or so. Now Harrison and the surrounding areas mm-hmm. aren't necessarily the most modern places, <laughs> but even that, even like in a in a town oh. in in Arkansas that I lived in, it has these really really old buildings in it. That and Harrison is also curiously like about 10 miles maybe away from Zinc, Arkansas, which <laughs> if you want to. Just if you get bored, Google Zinc, Arkansas. That is the weirdest place on earth. It's this like town outside of Harrison, which is saying like it's not in the middle of nowhere, but you can see it from there. Like Arkansas, <laughs> where like 72 people live and have lived and no one comes and no one leaves. And they'll, if you happen to drive through the town, which is pretty much just a wide spot on the road, you'll get weird looks. There are no stores. There is no commerce. They're all people that live off of like EBT. And it's just this tiny little place where, like, the headmaster of the KKK lives and has, like, the nice property in town, which is a house that isn't, like, only half there, like the rest of the houses and shit like that. And people have just been living there. And it's just this odd, like, outpost place that it's the history of it is weird and fascinating. Anyway, Zinc, Arkansas, weird place. (laughs) Doesn't have old buildings. That's where we're going to yeah. shoot Paper Moon 2. Only has like lean twos. The Ozarks are, you know, the geography of it is actually very, very oh, lovely. It's, it's the Ozarks themselves are, are beautiful. Yeah. As, the, as they say, the worst part about Arkansas is the Arkansans. Yeah. I lived there for five years. I get to say it. I put in my time. <laughs> I do my job. It's a very it's a nice scene here because, you know, every everything is all subtext here. It's like no one no one's saying anything that they mean in this whole scene. Like, oh, you could write, it looks like a nice house. Yeah, it does look nice. Yeah, you could write your Franklin Roosevelt now. Yeah, you could. Yeah, they, they, Don't leave. Yes, yeah, there are none of them they're not saying anything that they're they're thinking. See? That's how you do it, Alvin Sargent. Why can't you do that in Spider Man? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one skate. <laughs> she stands on it like a very small skateboard. <laughs> The other one is behind her. They're looped over her. I have no object permanence, okay? <laughs> when she spins around, there's still only going to be one skate. Yeah. <laughs> I only see one at a time, therefore. She only has two skates for a brief moment mid-turn. I like that she has skates, but she never skates. We didn't She's have been like, meaning to start. Check off skates. Check off skate. And where have the skates been the whole time? Like... <laughs> They really haul those around the whole movie? Schrodinger skates. Schrodinger. <laughs> yeah. That mirror. Look this at that movie mirror. fails, set up and pay off. Oh, no, that's a windshield. I'm dumb. There is a pretty big mirror sitting there, though. Too. Yeah, he's got a big side mirror. <laughs> In a truck that barely exists. I don't know how you need a side mirror, no. though. You just sort of turn around. <laughs> they have a... That's... <laughs> they have a moat. Yeah, they do. Or more like they they have a ditch and no driveway, yeah. so they just built a bridge out of wood, little two by fours. Like the house, ah, the house I lived in, in uh, when I was a kid in Nashville, we had a, a a small little drainage ditch that just ran through the front of the yard. It, just, it would fill up when when it would rain. That's nice. We had a creek. When I lived in Arkansas, we lived on the other side of a creek, and it would routinely cover the little bridge. It was like a little non causeway sort of thing, and you just couldn't leave. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a second way. You were way just out. trapped. Yeah, it's just oh, I can't go anywhere. The bridge is under a river right now. People like would try to drive over it, and their cars would go into the creek all the time. Yeah, <laughs> another one went into the creek, Paul. <laughs> get your fishing hooks. <laughs> yeah, get the tractor. <laughs> another another feller went in the creek. What's amazing to me again? The thirties, like 
this this lovely aunt of hers is <laughs> yeah. gonna be yeah it's gonna be great and you're gonna live a wonderful life and you know no scams at all and yeah all that. that's right and and it seems like a, a great place to live and then she just leaves and i guess being the 30s they're like oh, well all right well yeah she left. we lost another kid to the wind <laughs> yeah. yeah i know <laughs> well, she's been missing for two months and they're like well what are you, what are you gonna do that's yeah that's yeah. like okay so we're sending the little girl by you know she should be there in a two, couple of weeks yeah all right, we'll look for her. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll just wait till she shows yeah. up. Never got got here. The uh, the tr- her tracking number doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> the tracking number is just an invalid tracking number. Yeah. I've been checking her Foursquare, but there's no check. She hasn't. She hasn't, she hasn't tweeted out. anything in weeks. We so. kid, but like that's a serious thing that was going on. It's just like, where's the kid? No, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time we saw her? Years ago. Yeah, when was the last time we saw her? Never did actually. Oh, she yeah. just. Who's yeah. my my do- my sisters? It's again. It's 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 you know. It's it's the modern era. It's like you know nowadays. You know, there's no room for naughty men to slip about anymore. But but you know, back in the day, you you could get away. You could just hi. My name is Bill. Do you have a driver's license? A what? <laughs> <laughs> Cars are three years old. How would you have a license for those things? Yeah. Well, social security itself is you know two years old at this point. If it's exactly there, thanks to Franklin Roosevelt. My Frank, old Frankie D. For years, I had my original Social Security card, which you know that was from the '60s, which was a piece of paper with a number on it, and I signed it. It's like a post-it note. Yeah, and people were like, "What is that? That's my Social Security card." It's like, no, it's supposed to be a laminated thing from the government. It's like, nope, no, it comes in the mail. It's a piece of paper. It looks like that. Mine's not actually. There's still that. No, yeah. there's still that, and they tell you not to laminate it. They're yeah. like, "Here's your I- identification for That's right, they your are still entire life." Right there. Don't laminate it. Good yeah. luck. Why aren't you supposed yeah. to laminate it? Uh, Just I guess risk ruining it. I guess so. Yeah. That's so counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah it's dumb. What but. are they going to do? By the way, is that like this unchallengeable law where it's like? I laminated my social security card. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to Gitmo, man. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, who good. enforces this rule? I don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, this is a scam. <clears throat> Why didn't you yeah, tell me the a, truth? That's the weird thing. It's like, well, if you laminated, it could be fake, but this clearly just <laughs> printer paper, 95 pound thing. I tried, when I tried to cash a check the other day, they'd, cash it, they'd made it out to Trey accidentally, and I was like, I had to go to the bank and go, okay, look, they made it out to, but, but here's my Writer's Guild card that says Trey on it, and they're like, well, I'm like, oh, because that's my scam, is I forged a Writer's Guild card. <laughs> Those are harder to get. <laughs> it's harder to get than a Social Security card. Yeah. It's like having a Visa Platinum card or something. Yeah. Like, no one has that. So I got a check randomly from a person who has my last name, and I just forged a Writer's Guild card with the first name on it. That's that's what I'm up to. You, you caught me. You got me. me. You busted me. Oh, classic Stokes. Yeah. Bill Stokes. And here Strikes we are. again. And now we're into the last one of the movie, which is all the way to the end of the credits. Is when, and they, they're not again a last stunt of like, holy shit! They, that's clearly them, and they're <laughs> going to jump now. Clearly, someone is in that truck helping out. But look at this! Look at what she's doing. That's a nine-year-old kid. What the hell? Wow! And now we're into the end of the movie. Yeah. And we're going to watch them drive all the all way, the way to, to the horizon. horizon. Yeah. I know. It's fantastic. Jumping Jack Flash. You can, and you can find actually this uh, one of those sites that's like, you know, movie locations. Well, th- this road still exists and doesn't look any different. This, <laughs> you know, this, it's, this, they haven't built a damn thing on this road. It's still just this wide open nothing. Paper Moon is a delightful little movie. And I don't know why it's not more remembered. Maybe it just is because it didn't have a massive cultural impact the way like Butch and Sundance did. And I guess Chinatown probably did. I don't know. But it's great and it's fun, and there it is. 
and it's in black and white, and that's nice. And there's Brian Finnefter talking about Paper Moon. Who is that? Look at that. The cast is only like six yeah. people. Everyone else is like, uh, yeah, just the wonders. Dude, how's that for a name? Noble Willingham. Yeah. Yes. I think he was the second Earl of Oxford, wasn't he? Pretty sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm actually curious as Excuse to me. why this did not catch on to, you know, in MB. It certainly uh, was a big deal at the time. It was, was it? You know, okay. oh yeah, well, I mean, it won Oscars but and it was a huge hit. It's not like it's an obscure movie. It's just no, like, no, not no. a movie whose name comes up. Which is, well, that's why, not, that's why I wanted to present it because yeah. it's like, it should be remembered. You should be. Curated the shit. Yes, this. you should, you should, you should check this one out. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, um. Hoagie Carmichael. Bing Crosby. Yeah. These names are all amazing. Tommy Dorsey. Uh, but yeah, it's it doesn't feel like it's in the same historical company as say Chinatown. And, Look at all these uh, motherfuckers with orchestras. Yeah. Oh, a lot of orchestras back. All these guys have have their orchestras. Ozzy Nelson, Ozzy Nelson had an orchestra, and then a TV show. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is a great example to to look at in terms of uh, as, as I said at the beginning, but we didn't really touch on all that much during the commentary itself. Of the characters determine the plot, and the characters make these the decisions. That then you know drive them through the the events of the movie, as opposed to like, oh, here are these characters that say kind of funny things every now and then, and then and then, this, an, and then an asteroid lands. Yeah, and then know. this happens to them, and then that happens to them. No, they they certainly things external things happen to them, but um, even those are precipitated by uh, the choices that they make within within the context of the movie itself. Michael Dorkman Scott. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too much <laughs> to add. I'm, I'm glad we, we did this movie because I, I, you say it's not an obscure movie, but I hadn't really heard of it. Me either. Um, so again, again, I mean, my, my puzzlement is why not? Because yeah. to me, this is a, the equivalent of Chinatown and yeah. you know and everything else. No, I, I completely agree. But, but, yeah, I, I don't know why. But it's, it's a movie I hadn't really heard of before, and, and nobody really talks about. But I, I think it's great. I think. It's really snappy. It's you know, it's got great characters. That's that's the other thing. You know, it's character driven, and they're also interesting characters driving yeah. it. So you want to you know watch whatever happens to them, and it it remains engaging. Um, I don't know. I'd like to I'd like to read the the book that it's based on, and and I'd like to see if there's uh you know if anyone's written a book about the history of it and why nobody talks about it anymore because it it seems like it it ought to be something that people at least know about other than within you know cinephiles you know because yeah. pe- people know then chinatown and people know taxi driver and raging bull and all that stuff even if they haven't uh e- even them, if yeah. they're not big on movies they know those names those are names that exist in their you know in the ether and paper moon doesn't for whatever reason Trey Stokes. Uh, interestingly, after I rediscovered this movie, I, I was curious about it. And Peter Bogdanovich wrote a, uh, not so much a book, it's it's mostly a collection of essays, kind of a la the William Goldman essays. Because he wrote, he wrote film film essays for for Esquire magazine. And um, and among things, like he, he went and visited the set of a John Ford movie with John Wayne. I forget which one, but obviously a later one, like like late mid-60s one. So he wrote these. And also, of course, he was you know, buds with Orson Welles and he wrote articles about that. So he wrote articles about classic films and so on. And then but the, the last few articles in this book, which is out of print and I had to buy a used copy off of, you know, like Amazon um, are what few anecdotes he does tell about making paper moon the one the most memorable one was he and ryan o'neill were on the plane to wherever like to vegas to change planes to get out to whatever plane you take to get to hayes kansas something like that and they ended up on a plane the plane with marlena dietrich and struck up a conversation with her 
And then all through the production of the movie, Marlene Dietrich would randomly call Bogdanovich in the middle of the night and go, I'm very bored, darling. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> just like they struck up this odd, frail fanboy relationship with Marlene Dietrich during the shooting of the movie. But um, it's like how Spielberg would just call Robin Williams during Schindler's List just, yeah, to, just, to, just to say what's up. Perk him up. So, so I. This makes me want. I, I have to confess, I've never seen Last Picture Show, which is which is you know one of the classics, um, which uh, I have never seen. Um, I need to check it out. I need to well, see you're it. not supposed to watch that till the end. Yeah, I need I need to rewatch. I definitely this has really inspired me to want to rewatch What's Up Doc and see if it holds up. And yeah. I, I would see, I would suggest. I can't recommend it because I don't know yet how well it holds up. But there are some sections of What's Up Doc that are among the most amazing. I was talking to a friend of mine recently. We we're having this conversation about Paper Moon and so on, and, and he's and I see he had recently rewatched What's Up Doc, and for him it held up in terms of like there are like three or four major crazy screwball set pieces, including the classic guys crossing the street with a pane of glass. That's in there. <laughs> um, there where they they just they just do the they just do the you know every screwball trope right. there is in the the massive crazy chase movie. And he said it totally held up. He said that it's still, it's, it was amazing. So I definitely want to check out What's Up, Doc. But the, the whole sad, weird history of Peter Bogdanovich is, is uh, really unfortunate. But he had, he, had a, he had a hell of a run there right there at the beginning. Three hits, man. Anyway, this has been What Are You Doing Movie? You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com for this and other fabulous podcasts. Go to the forum and yourself in the conversation. It's a great community of people. It's growing all the time. We talk about things. It's a good forum, you guys. Funny gifs. Yeah. Gifs. Yeah. And um, <laughs> twitter.com slash friends in her head, Facebook friends in your head, friends in your head at gmail.com. Buy our shirts, give us money. We're not asking, we're just saying. And until next time, my name is Dick Christian. Brian Pinnacle. Nice hat. Moses Bray. This has been What Are You Doing Movie. Thank you much for listening. Good night, good night. Ichigo Island. <laughs> friends in your head.com. <laughs>